JMV here with Brian Kahn from Floors to Your Home. Fans, if you're shopping for flooring of any kind, you need to check these guys out. You're going to have the most incredible, totally hassle-free shopping experience ever. JMV, we really appreciate you saying that. That's our goal every day, to offer our customers a quick, easy, and hassle-free experience at all of our Floors to Your Home locations. Fans, it works like this. You see the product you like. It's going to be cheaper than anywhere else. That's for sure. Then you can immediately take it home with you or have it installed. That's right. No hassle, no special order. Just see it, buy it, and take it home, or have it installed. Like three rooms of hardwood, laminate, or waterproof flooring starting at just 349 and they have everything in stock. I'm doing my whole house, and believe me, this is the best shopping experience you'll ever have. Three convenient locations, Avon, Noblesville, and Brookville Road. Who gives the quickest, easiest, and most hassle-free buying experience? Floors to your home. That's who. What in the hell do you think you're doing? Hey, John Boy. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. So anybody wants to walk, do it now. Hey, everybody, we're all going to get late. And again, it's picked up. It's Darius Leonard. A pick six for the Maniac. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. Yes, sir. Yeah. Oh, oh, the second double time. Miles Turner. Yeah. John, I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. I hope you're having a fantastic Friday. I hope the plan is for you to have an incredible weekend, and we will help vault you in to that incredible weekend with a show today that is locked and loaded and ready to go. Ready to go on all fronts. There is a lot to cover. Got a busy weekend of hoopage all the way around. Whether it's college, I don't know how much you guys are getting into the NBA All-Star game. Remember, too, we're now a year away because of the COVID year. That kind of snuffed, actually, didn't kind of, it did snuff out the All-Star game. Here, it will reemerge a year from now. And the All-Star game, last time it was here, 1985, all the fun, the the dunk contest when it was really fun. That's not me just being old guy here. That's when it was really fun. 85, but they had the the dunk contest. They had the three-point shooting contest at Market Square Arena, and the game was at the then Hoosier Dome in 85, and that was outstanding. So it's been a long time coming, no doubt about that. But All-Star Weekend, of course, the Pacers have reps in the Futures game. Later on tonight, Andrew Nemhard and Benedict Matherin. And, of course, you got both Buddy Heald and uh, Tyrese Halliburton in the three-point shooting contest. And then Tyrese Halliburton will play on the All-Star game Coming up on Sunday night, you got that. Connor Daly made the field. Connor Daly into the Daytona 500 coming up on Sunday. That's something I'm sure we'll discuss. You got that. You got a ton of college basketball and a ton of high school basketball. With that new format that they have in high school basketball uh, in the semi-state for the girls this year, it does make the semi-state weekend a hell of a lot more interesting. And, uh, for example, tomorrow, 
uh, with local flavor. You're going to get Center Grove, Bedford North Lawrence, and I believe Lawrence North and Ben Davis coming up at Southport Fieldhouse. Of course, Laney Lou says, I want to go. And that means I'm going to go ahead and crank her up in the morning. Two things actually it means. One is I'm going to crank it up in the morning and take Laney Lou. And the other is my friends at Southport, um, when they crown a champion and they get up there and cut down the nets, Please be sure while you have the ladders there that you go ahead and put new ones back up because if you don't, on Sunday morning when I get in there at 8 a.m. to play a little pickup basketball, uh, if the nets aren't up, we'll have to go to the auxiliary gym, and that is painful on the knees. So let's just make sure we put the new nets up after this weekend at Southport Fieldhouse. But seriously, it seems like that there is a little something for everybody. We mentioned Jim Bob Cooter. As far as offensive coordination for the Colts yesterday is concerned, last night, T. Martin was another guy. Uh, Passing game coordinator, T. Martin, former champion, national champion quarterback, T. Martin, uh, is somebody of interest as well. If you miss Mike Sanford, Mike Sanford Sr. was an Indiana State football coach. I want to say back started in 2012. But he had coached while at UNLV. He took over for John Robinson at UNLV at the time when Shane Steichen was the quarterback for the running Rebs. And we got, and it was great too because Mike Sanford also, for the really the first coaching job, it was a grad assistant gig in 2010 at Louisville. It was Mike Sanford who helped bring Shane Steichen on board for that initial coaching gig. And in fact, Shane Steichen actually lived for a point in time in his basement. Good stories yesterday. Mike Sanford was fantastic on the show. I know it was late in the five o'clock hour. If you missed any of it, I would invite you to check it out whenever you get a couple of minutes. Not now. Don't do it now. But whenever you get a couple of minutes at 1075thefan.com on the podcast page, because I I hate it. I like the five o'clock hour. Don't get me wrong. But sometimes when it's that late, you tend to miss some things. And I would love for you to get back and hear Mike Sanford Sr. Yeah, he was really good. In fact, his son, his son was the interim head coach at Colorado when Carl Durrell got fired midseason this past year at Colorado it was his son, Mike Sanford Jr., that took over on an interim basis as the head coach. And then ultimately, uh, we know that Deion Sanders took over that gig at Colorado. But really good stories and just a fantastic time I had yesterday. If you missed that at all, 1075thefan.com with Mike Sanford Sr. late in the show yesterday. Mike DeCourcy on the show yesterday. And, of course, Mike Chappell with a variety of things we discussed on this show yesterday. Shane Steichen was direction even got into a little bit of Jeff Saturday and this is just kind of a guess this is a gauge but we saw and I would probably leave this alone and I know that it's a player thing you know players will tend to gravitate or protect certainly former players but when Shaquille Leonard got on with McAfee last week at the Super Bowl, it was actually this time last week on a Friday and spoke glowingly of wanting Jeff Saturday back. And I mean emotionally. It wasn't like something, yeah, I'm just saying this for the sake of saying it. As we played it last week, he was saying it because I, I'm assuming unless he's really good at sandbagging on this because he wanted him back. 
I got me thinking, you know, obviously the Colts went a different direction. And it does seem like Shane Steichen, offensive coordinator. I love the fact that, you know, he talked about, you know, passing to score and running to win. I dig that philosophy. Uh, anything that leads to a different philosophy in terms of how you put together a team, I'm on board with. But it did make me wonder a little bit. It's exactly, was it just Leonard or did a lot of that team enjoy Jeff Saturday? Something we're never really going to find out, I don't think. It's kind of interesting. Kind of interesting. Now, if you mention, by the way, Shane Steichen, who was on the show on Wednesday, that's also a podcast at 1075thefan.com. You can certainly double back and listen to that as well. All right, Boilermaker fans, this one's for you. I would sit here, as I'm doing right now, and tell you, I would tell you not to freak out. I would tell you not to lose it. I would tell you to chill. I would tell you that the last three out of four have been difficult situations on the road. And two of the three there are right there. That mishap last night, it all started with Mason Gillis getting teed up for his response to getting a foul called on him, and then everything went absolutely downhill after that. He got teed up, and I, it was like a 29-4 to four run or 375-4 to four or something like that. It was a substantial run after that technical was called against Mason Gillis and, you know, basically the final 12 minutes, you know, even though they kept talking about how, well, you know, the Boilermakers have cut this now to 11 and there's a lot of time left and there was a lot of time, like two and a half minutes or so, and you kind of knew it was over. You know, part of the issue that both Purdue and IU have is if you get down, you get down in double digits, and normally a double-figure lead is nothing. Nothing is more weak in terms of having a double-figure lead than what you see in the NBA. These teams go on runs and make that up with a three-point shot, with three-point looks that are so abundant. They make that up in about three and a half minutes. You go back to the 80s when we were, a lot of us were growing up and a lot of us were loving basketball. It seemed like when you got up 12, it seemed, oh my goodness, this game's over. It's double figures. Don't let that get over 10. And now, especially in the NBA and really on other levels of basketball, a double-figure lead, a double-digit lead is really nothing. But against IU and Purdue, it can be. Because IU and Purdue don't predominantly lean on three-point shooting. Like IU the other night, Wednesday night, got back in the game and had a chance to win that game in Evanston because of Trace Jackson Davis. And he wasn't stepping out and shooting threes. It was all happening with his play on the interior. It just does not make it easy to get back. When you get down, when you're IU or you're Purdue, and especially last night if you're Purdue, and you shot it so poorly from distance, when you get down like that, it makes it difficult to get back. And again, Purdue wasn't going to get back last night because after that team, Maryland was just on fire. They're firing up everything. It was going in. Uh, They were first to every loose ball. 
I mean, all these basketball coaching cliches I can throw out at you. Seemingly, Maryland did last night, and Purdue didn't. And also bear in mind that Maryland's unbeaten in the Big Ten. I think they've lost one game in College Park this season. I think that was the UCLA. They are really good. And even though Purdue got out to a substantial early season lead in the Big Ten, you can lump many of these teams together, and you can say, cliche-wise, on a given night. On a given night, that team's going to get it done. On a given night, especially when they play at home. So, you're close against Northwestern. You really kind of gagged that thing away. IU, you got back into it, got down, had a really bad first half. If you remember, got down, came back. These road games have been difficult for Purdue. And that part doesn't surprise me. That doesn't surprise me at all. Here's the thing, though. The thing that, while I wouldn't freak out about it right now, I know what you feel because this has been a concern of yours Even going through those moments where they were a clear and unanimous number one, you always worried about, all right, what happens if this happens? What happens if they play a team like Maryland last night that was throwing everything in? What happens when that Scott guy banks a three in? Yeah, what happens? And I wish I had some great, incredible, basketball-worthy answer for you, but... You're either A, going to have to stay out of those moments, or B, you're going to have to be able to deal with them better than that. Because it's coming. And it's going to come in the NCAA tournament, too. All of these teams that end up winning a national title, all of these teams that go to a Final Four seemingly have one signature moment in the tournament where it could go either way, but they make a play here or there and get it done. Last night, you had two dudes for Purdue scoring, and that was it. You had Zach Eady, and you had Braden Smith. And Purdue, to me, is just like IU. They just, you need more consistent support for Zach Eady, just like IU needs more consistent support for Trace Jackson Davis. And I again, I wish I could tell you, I wish I could tell you that there's a way where you can sidestep all this, but but there's just not. There's just not. Some teams are going to come in, and it's probably not going to surprise. I'm trying to think what type of team might that be. Like a team that comes in that's not very big but incredibly athletic, and you start burying threes. Maybe put on more than just token full-court pressure. That messes with Purdue a little bit. This is stuff. I'm not trying to suggest to you that these losses are good for Purdue. Because losses stink. I'm not trying to tell you that it's good that it's happening right now for Purdue. Because even if losses happen right now, they still stink. But what I am trying to tell you is this is going to either be growing from and moving on. And making sure that you guard against, if not completely eliminating this altogether, guarding against it, or just kind of know that it's going to happen again. There's just no clear-cut answer for it. I can sit here and tell you, yeah, better guard play. 
Can't struggle from three like that. I mean, when you think about it, Braden Smith, what, 18 points? But then when you factor in both Lawyer and Morton, two from 11 for the field for six points. Caleb first, a non-factor in 14 minutes. And even the help they got off the bench, you know, Mason Gillis had four points, but was the costly with that technical and that timing. And then basically the whole floor fell through on him. And, and Newman, Newman had some moments last night too, but not enough. That's a tough environment. That was going to be a tough get. I mean, heck, beating Maryland for Purdue was tough when they played in West Lafayette last month. So you knew it was going to be difficult. You just don't want to see the Boilermakers doing in themselves. I mean, they have a lot to guard against. They are really talented. There's a reason why they've been number one for a lot of this year. But there is also reason for you Purdue fans to go, okay, so what happens if? It is time now to get back to the consistency, to get back to the consistency of making plays at the end of games. Get back to the consistency. And I mean everybody, not just the freshmen in the backcourt. I mean everybody. Because last night, last night, they just absolutely got punched in the mouth and had no response. I mean, really not a legitimate response. I don't know if you learn from it. I always thought that that was kind of BS anyway. I mean, the coaches can learn and then teach to and coach to the players. But just know that there's going to be a moment. There's going to be a signature moment. All Boilermaker fans are concerned about coming up in March. And this sort of stuff can't happen. It can't happen. So maybe you're getting this out of the way right now. Maybe you're learning from whatever. But yeah, last night, last night their their resistance during the bad times, their resistance um, was not where you wanted it to be. Not what you expected. They they looked pretty discombobulated. Give Maryland a ton of credit, just like you give Northwestern back to back games against both Purdue and IU. Give Northwestern a ton of credit, and again, all these teams are certainly more even. And then we talk about either on this show or any other show that highlights the Big Ten in college basketball. But those moments, those moments need to be eliminated, like last night. Hey, you watched late in that second half, and it was it was incredibly discouraging. So we'll see Ohio State coming up next for the Boilermakers. We shall talk about that coming up a little bit later on as well. As I mentioned, too, both Zach Eady and Braden Smith, 18 apiece for the Boilermakers in that loss. And, and listen, you look across the college basketball landscape, all these teams have similar issues. All these teams have similar flaws. It's probably going to be one of those tournaments where, and I know everybody digs you, there's going to be a, a crap load of upsets because there's just not a lot, if any, separation from a lot of these teams that we see. Even in the top 25, you see a lot of separation between Alabama, Houston, Purdue, UCLA. What's UCLA last night? Kansas, Texas, Virginia, Arizona, Baylor, Tennessee, Marquette. Kansas State, Gonzaga's not even close to what they have been. 
in a number of years. And by the way, I was watching Gonzaga and LMU last night. Anybody watch that? CBS Sports Network. <laughs> I was watching Gonzaga and LMU. Gonzaga beat Loyola Marymount. And I always, I always bring up the old school Paul Westhead days of Loyola Marymount, right? But I was watching that game, and it was an absolute blowout, 108-65. But I, I can't lie, I was taken by, uh, what's his name, Kelly Lou Pepe, the Australian dude that has the huge mullet. <laughs> he, I, I, was, I was absolutely locked in to what he looked like. He, he looked like. he looks like just a dude that does nothing but lift weight and goes out and plays a little hoop. I'm trying to think. In terms of what he might have looked like, Lou Pepe is his last name. And you could tell when he's out, his mullet is flowing. But he reminds me kind of, kind of reminds me of meat. You guys remember meat from Porky's? Like meat, meat from Porky's. (laughs) He was the best basketball player on the Angel Beach High School team. And when they weren't, trying to get some or, you know, weren't peeping through locker room holes, uh, weren't doing what they were doing in Porky's. He had himself, I believe, a scholarship to Princeton did meet. If meat had a mullet, if a mullet was available back in the 1950s, Lou Pepe would look a lot like meat. So I'm watching that game last night. It wasn't even close. It wasn't even fun to watch. It was so bad. I mean, LMU, everybody got all fired up because they were playing at Loyola Marymount. Hot ticket. And I think Loyola Marymount actually beat Gonzaga in Spokane early in the season, but they had zero for the Bulldogs last night. And I, again, was locked into, I think it's either Kelly or Khalil Pepe. Check out that mullet. You're probably not going to see him in the NCAA tournament, but it is uh, it's worthy of your interest at least for a moment. Even if it was a bad game, bad game to watch. Uh, anyway, getting back to the point I was making too regarding college basketball, everybody is right there. I mean, everybody is right there. There's not much separation whatsoever especially when you're looking at these teams in the top 25. There's little to no separation. You get all the way down to Providence. You get all the way down to Providence, and you're thinking, yeah, I mean, Providence, Ed Cooley's team could beat basically anybody. But you, you want this three out of four on the road situation to be a blip on the radar for the Boilermakers. Hopefully that it is. It, it's not like it wasn't expected. They they were not at the level of being the unanimous number one overall. They were still susceptible to being beaten, especially on the road. But you don't want to do a lot of that to yourself. Because you're going to have some difficult times navigating with a freshman backcourt and whether or not you're going to be able to shoot it from distance. You know how you know we, we talk about the, the officiating is something we haven't talked about. You know, how your big guy's going to be officiated? You know, now compared to once you get into March, there is going to be enough you're going to have to deal with. You cannot deal with doing yourself in. And that's that second half was difficult last night. 
Yeah, no question about that. All right, 239-1070 is the number. Email address at jmv1075thefan.com. Uh, show us inside the lounge via YouTube Live in just a second. I promise I will load that thing up and get ready to go. We can talk some Colts if you want to. Get some leftover Shane Steichen stuff if you guys want to get there. We'll continue to see where they may end up going with a support staff and especially that of offensive coordinator. Did you know it is 100 days until the greatest spectacle of racing? The 100 days mark will be celebrated from one Doug Bowles, Speedway president, who's going to join us coming up at 4.30. I will ask him. I don't know if he's going to have any answers. I don't know if it's a similar situation as to last year when it was a bit of a struggle to come up with the Carb Day performances. Now, the Carb Day bands, last year it ended up being Kings of Chaos, which would have been much better if he just said, all right, we got Sebastian Bach and Rick Springfield, and then, oh, okay. And then every time you had to explain who Kings of Chaos might have been. I don't know if it's going that direction because a year ago they didn't make that official until around March the 24th, I believe. But we'll talk to Doug about that, talk about Connor Daly getting into the Daytona 500 this weekend as well. He joins us at 4.30. From ESPN Radio, Mike Wells is on the way in the 4 o'clock hour. Voice of the Hoosiers, Don Fisher. IU's got an early one tomorrow. That's 11 a.m., for the pregame show with Don and the gang down in Bloomington. It's downstairs, 93 WIBC for that coming up tomorrow. Noon is the tip. Big one for IU tomorrow, too. You don't want to have any hangover effect from that loss in Evanston on Wednesday night. So a big one from a team they already have a W against in the Big Ten. That on the road last month in Champaign versus Illinois. Brett Underwood's Illini in Bloomington coming up tomorrow. And Don Fisher joins us in the 5 o'clock hour coming up as well. Hey, shout out to Paul Casaro, 6th ranked UND. I believe senior day, senior night down on the south side is coming up tomorrow. But they just continue to grind away. 11-point win over Drury last night. The D2 UND Greyhounds of Paul Casaro. Just fantastic hoopage being played on the south side. So a shout-out to them. On the other side, all right, normally Bob Lovell is here. Bob Lovell from Indiana Sports Talk. But this weekend, make a note of it, Derek Schultz is in for the vacationing Bob Lovell. Derek Schultz, I thought, you know what, we might as well have Derek Schultz on to talk about, promote the show, and talk about what's going on this weekend. Derek Schultz from Indiana Sports Talk, who is in for Bob Lovell, is going to be with us, presented by CarX, and the 14 Central Indiana CarX locations run by Joe Childers. That's on the other side. Derek Schultz will be with us. The stream, the app, HD radio, inside the lounge via YouTube Live. Is that camera facing me right now? It looks a little bit off. Is it good? Do I can I move it here? Because listen, I got to get, I got to have it where you guys get my incredibly sculpted, handsome features in the camera shot right here. That's a lounge via YouTube Live, the ride with JMV. Listen, watch, participate in there. A great avenue to take in the show as well. Much like you do FM-wise. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Back with you next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. 
It's called Sex Panther by Odeon. It's illegal in nine countries. It's quite pungent. It stings the nostrils. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. 100 days until the greatest spectacle in racing. Yeah, the greatest spectacle in racing is sure as hell not on Sunday. But I am happy that Connor Daly got some uh, Hoosier flavor going on. And what do they call that? The great American race coming up on Sunday. The Daytona 500. Hey, Dale. One of the lasting memories I have would have been the Dale Jarrett win. When just the the awesome, just the nicest guy in history, Ned Jarrett, was on the call of that. Wasn't that right before we were all waiting around for an IU Michigan matchup, were we not? That particular year. You guys remember that on CBS? I know who I'm rooting for. Got that. 100 days away from the greatest spectacle in racing. Doug Bowles, Speedway Prez, will be here at 430. Don Fisher, 5 o'clock hour. Wells ESPN Radio with his slow jam reentry coming up at 4. But on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, he got the uh, Mbop Hansen reentry, given the fact that the president of the Hansen fan club remains one Derek Schultz, who's going to be guest hosting tonight and tomorrow, I'm assuming, Indiana Sports Talk in for the vacationing Bob Lovell across the network Indiana-affiliated stations in this incredible Hoosier state. Derek Schultz joins us. Are you locked and loaded, ready to go? I'm ready to go. I'm actually looking forward to doing it in season because normally when they've asked me to step in for coach, it's been like the middle of July. So you feel like that's sort of a dead portion, but we almost have too much stuff to talk about tonight, John, with the Colts stuff and Patriots and the all-star break, IU, Purdue, burning red hot. And then of course, all the high school basketball going on with the, the girls late in the tournament and the guys rounding third and heading home here on yep. the end of their regular season. Yeah. I'm actually, um, I'm going to, to Southport for the morning session. I'm going to go watch a, a friend of mine from my, my town, Owensburg and from Eastern green is the, uh, the head coach of Bedford North Lawrence. And of course my daughter goes to, to CG and plays hoops. So we're going to go in the morning and uh, watch that extravaganza 10 AM over at Southport. It's the best man. That, that might actually be pound for pound. My favorite venue, uh, at least in the indie area I, I i don't think people realize because you guys all grew up with this like you know I, I grew up back east where we'd get like 50 people maybe tops and it'd be family and friends at high school basketball games and our gyms would hold like 300 people maybe i, I don't know three four five hundred people did high school games in connecticut kind of look like teen wolf like the crowd yeah, in teen wolf it was the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, you know what I mean, or like Hang Time, like you know, that, that, Saved by the Bell, <laughs> Saved yeah, by the exactly. Bell Court. Yeah, I mean that was that was our high school basketball. So you come on here, you step in at Southport Fieldhouse, you're like, oh my god, like there are high school games in here. It's incredible. <laughs> and no doubt about that. I, I kind of explained to folks my thoughts on the Boilermakers and and what we have seen with them on the road, losers of three to four. And I know a lot of Boilermaker fans out there were just kind of waiting for something like this to happen. Um, can you view it as it being good that it's happening right now and, and something that is, is certainly fixable, or is it more just hoping you see a level of growth here so it doesn't happen further down the road? Because I, I just at some point expected this, especially in these road games in the Big Ten, where everybody talent-wise, seriously, Derek, they're so tightly bunched from top to bottom. 
Yeah, and you know what? I, I think this stretch could easily be argued. I know Purdue fans are going to panic at the drop of a hat given their history. I'd like, I, I fully understand the Purdue basketball fan experience. But if you really look at it, they've lost three of four, sure. But they've lost three out of four to the three other best teams in the Big Ten right now. You know, at Maryland is an extremely difficult place to play. Northwestern's alone in second place. Indiana, you can argue, pound for pound, is the second best team in the league. So if those losses were spread out a little bit more, I think people would be less panicky than them all kind of happening at once. Um, What I'm worried about is some of the trends that we're seeing here, like what happened last night in Maryland, them getting out-rebounded by double digits, that can't happen. There's no doubt. Yeah, I mean, you know, Purdue's not going to be able to win like that. And it's still the need for the second guy to consistently step up. Um, I think Indiana has somewhat solved that with Jalen Huchifino, yet, you know, Fletcher Lawyer's kind of here and there. Braden Smith's kind of here and there. Mason Gillis occasionally makes shots, but they don't really have that guy that's kind of stepping up and, and being that second guy. And, you know, ultimately the freshmen eventually were going to look like freshmen. And I think for more stretches than, say, earlier in the season, Lawyer and Smith have kind of had that learning curve and, and you reminded yourself that these guys were playing high school basketball here in central Indiana not that long ago. So I, I think it's fixable. I, I, I'm not panicking. Now, if they, if they go to Mackey and they lose to a lifeless Ohio state team this weekend, then yeah, then I'm going to start panicking. But um, as for right now, I, I think this it, it's good in the sense that they can settle themselves and recalibrate and fix some of these issues in time instead of let's say this happening in the Big Ten tournament or something where it's too late to fix. Yeah, they've got, again, you get three losses and three court stormings against teams that were – and that's what happens when at one point this year they were a unanimous number one against teams that were loaded up. And, and you talk about the, the rebounding margin, which can't happen. I talk about just doing yourself in. I mean, Boilermaker fans are going to be worried about basically anything anyway, but you can't do yourself in. And, you know, they – Probably would have lost anyway, but that Mason Gillis technical kind of started the avalanche. You just can't do stuff like that to yourself. Yeah, you have to control what you can control. I think what what it comes down to, you know, a lot of people want to point to the officiating. Look, the officiating sucks. There's just I'm as frustrated as anybody else. The Big Ten is the most poorly officiated league in the entire country, and it, it hurts the teams. It hurts them in March. It hurts the fans. It hurts the players. It's it's garbage. And it has to get better. It's, it's just unacceptable that you can range widely in how games are officiated, even from half to half. But, you know, in the Northwestern game, my God, that was more of a street fight than it was a basketball game with what they were allowed to do. But Purdue can't control any of that. What they can control is turnover margin, where they've really struggled. What they can control is rebounding, where that needs to be a strength. What they can control is getting Zach Eady consistent touches. Like, those are the things that they are in control of. And... They have to just do a better job of executing those things than they've done in the past two weeks. He is Derek Schultz. He's got Indiana Sports Talk. I'm assuming both nights this weekend, correct? Tonight and tomorrow night? I've only signed up for Friday. Only Uh, Friday. We got to give you a double dip here. We got to give you a double dip. (laughs) Hey, by the way, Griff Pope wants to know why are you calling in from a submarine? Why are you calling in from a submarine? Let me let me go upstairs. I didn't know that it was going to no, be actually. We're getting dude. Off. I don't care. It's all right. I was he was just joking. So was I. You can stay right there. It's fine. I'm in the I'm in the dining room now. So hopefully this is a little bit better. Where were you? So what what what? Uh, why did it sound like a submarine? Because clearly you're not right. You live over by Butler. No. 
Yeah, so I'm, I'm here in Midtown, and um, we're getting our basement redone. So we had to clear everything out of there, and we're in this 100-year-old house. And it's basically a bomb shelter in that basement. So it's just all, like, concrete and whatever else. So the sound just kind of bounces around. And I guess being a radio guy by trade, I should have thought of that before taking the call down in the basement. But hopefully it's a little bit better now. What are you guys doing to the basement? Just getting it finished. Um, we've got, like, a uh, an area that's going to be the laundry room. And okay. then we've got an area that's going to be more of, like, a living room. And then an area that's going to be a little bit more of a pantry. Um you know, we love this is this is the only house I ever want to own. So we're just like, oh, really? Let's just go ahead. and really? Yeah, let's just go ahead and make it the way, you know, we were one and done kid wise. So it's just it's just big enough for the three of us. And we love the neighborhood and everything like that. So, wow. So no, no suburbs, no country. Like if I if wow, I move man. again, it's I'm going to get I'm going to go further out. I got to keep going out. I, I get that appeal. I'm I'm kind of an urbanite. And uh, I also like just the sidewalks and coffee shops and all like the bearded glasses, skinny jeans, hipster stuff that I'm kind of into. All right. Here's my criteria of where I have to live. D Schultz. Um, I have, I have to live someplace where I can walk outside and take a whiz and everybody can't see me. Do you have that luxury? (laughs) I like being around people and I definitely don't have that luxury. where I am, Dude, I I came from, I don't know if, if anybody in your listening audience has ever been to like, suburban connecticut or new jersey or new york people live on top of each other out there you can't so you can't be outside to. in connecticut no absolutely oh, not you get arrested in, in two seconds that's um terrible that's that's what i'm that's what i'm used to so that's kind of what i like I, I get the appeal of like wide open spaces and you know country music and hey they tell the five owners this weekend come over <laughs> for barbecue or whatever like I, I get all that um it's just not me <laughs> Not me. That's exactly what we did back in the day. Yeah, <laughs> we, we we just cheered for a Daryl in the Great American Raid. Didn't care what Daryl it was. It was just any Daryl whatsoever, any Daryl or any Dale. We just cheered for that and kind of went after it. You know, you, you, you'll appreciate this. Um, in high school, I guess the statute of limitations are out on this. In order to go drinking anywhere in high school, because there were just people in houses everywhere, we used to have to go. Uh, we jumped the fence onto the golf courses, and that's where we drank on like the ninth hole in Tashua Knowles Golf Course in Trumbull. Yeah, we. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah, I, I, I. I'm afraid if I told what we did now, because so much. I'm thinking 65 percent at least of the stuff that that we did, we would go to jail for now. <laughs> know what I mean? I was just yeah, like no, everything's absolutely. changed so much. Yeah, so. I mean there there are certain things I'm not going to mention, but uh, that have been decriminalized that I kind of wish were you know back in that era. But yeah, that's I'll leave it at that. Yeah, I mean no doubt. That's uh, Derek Schultz is going to be hosting tonight only, one night only Indiana sports talk for Bob Lovell. Nine thirty that begins, and he's going to be heard uh, at some of the uh, great southern pockets in the state of Indiana, where he'll talk a lot of Daytona five hundred and probably get incredible numbers for that <laughs> uh, down there coming up later on tonight. <laughs> what, do you, what do you think about Shane Steichen in that hire? Uh, you know, I, I, obviously, I'm I'm good with it in the sense that he is an extremely qualified candidate and a gifted offensive mind, and, and I definitely lean towards offense more than defense when it comes to these hires. But you know, man, like you could talk me into just about anything. If, if the Colts would have hired an inanimate carbon rod, I think I would have been 
I would have talked myself into that. You liked that over Jeff Saturday? Like you wanted an inanimate carbon rod over Jeff Saturday? Is that what this is? Um, Jeff Saturday is a great guy and a great representative of the horseshoe. But, yeah, I I was not in the pro-Saturday camp for that. So I might have even had – maybe I wouldn't have had the rod in front of him, but um, that's an old kind of Simpsons gag there. My point is is that with as bad as everything has gone for the Colts in the last calendar year, at, at, at least we have something to kind of latch on to for hope and optimism, and I think psyching is it. Um, none of this is going to matter if they get the quarterback decision wrong coming up in the draft. Um, if, if they draft the next Zach Wilson, then they're in trouble. Um, but I, I do think there's an awful lot to like about Sykin. Um, the fact that he's young and can grow with this group as well, um, I think is a positive thing. So I'm in the por- portion of the offseason right now, John, where I am talking myself into things when it comes to the Colts. I'm, I'm done just beating on them because we've beaten on them for the past six months. I think they did the right thing in this process. It was very deliberate. Um, I know there was some frustration and kind of waiting around and not getting a lot of clarity of what they were doing. But uh, to me, the end result is absolutely a positive one for the franchise. You know, had, for example, the Colts, and they should have beaten Minnesota, and they should have beaten Dallas, and they should have certainly beaten the Texans. Had To me, if they'd have won two of those games, Jeff Saturday's the head coach right now. You believe that? Unquestionably, that's true. I think unquestionably, um, because I w- I think I think Jim Irsay wanted to be right. Um, you know, we all have egos, and I think the good thing about Jim Irsay is that for the most part, he's checked that and he's delegated and he's let his decision makers make the decisions. Of course, with his blessing and stamp of approval, because he is the owner at the end of the day. Um, but. I mean, you remember talking about that press conference in November. That was a disaster. Uh, you know, he he was angry and defiant, and uh, that was a Jim Irsay that I, I had never really seen before. So having that as the last impression of him made me really concerned for the rest of the season and then certainly in the end of the offseason here with this coaching search. But the fact that he stepped back again and, you know, say whatever you want about Chris Ballard, if you're trusting Chris Bauer to continue to be your general manager, then trust him to conduct the coaching search. And it appears that the owner of the team trusted his general manager to conduct this coaching search and kept an open mind throughout. And so I think Ursay, for as much as we've beaten him up, I, I think he deserves credit for that. And that's when this franchise has been at its best is when the owner of the team has been more about the Abby hat picks and all that and stayed in the background and let his decision makers and, and delegate those decisions to those decision makers. Here's Derek Schultz. He's the host of Indiana Sports Talk coming up later on tonight. What you got on the show? Give us a little insight. Uh, we'll talk Pacers going into the break. I think it's actually interesting for them to have a, a couple of representatives out there um, playing and, and coming off a, a win. I was there the other night, and uh, it was nice. It felt like it was their first win since Christmas. I know they won a handful of games since then, but – really kind of hit the skids. So we'll talk a little hoops uh, Pacers, not even at the halfway point, but just at the break point, obviously the Shane Steichen hire and um, where the Colts go from here, because now it's all about building a staff and, and the next decisions and um, the latest on high school basketball, Rick Shaw is going to call in. Uh, I think he's got the call of LM Pike tonight, if I'm not mistaken on IFC. So we'll talk about that as well. And um, 
A little bit of everything. A, a potpourri. Maybe even some Daytona stuff just for you, Josh. Daytona. Oh, yeah. Josh, huge. <laughs> my huge Daytona guy right there, too. I, listen, I, there are some Indiana dudes involved. I guess, you know, Connor Daly's. Uh, an interesting story. I'm going to talk to Doug Bowles, bottom of the 4 o'clock hour, so I'm sure they're fired up about it. Yeah, good for Connor, man. I mean, everybody likes Connor. So that was neat to see the the emotion there of, of him qualifying. Um, it's pretty awesome. It's pretty awesome to say that I qualified and I'm going to start a Daytona 500 and I let a, a couple of laps at the Indianapolis 500. That's, that's pretty darn cool. Yeah, well, he can't uh, pee in his backyard. Uh, he can barely barbecue, and uh, he struggles in watching the Daytona 500. But he's going to be your host later on tonight for Indiana Sports Talk. And again, Derek Schultz in for Bob Level with us. 14 Central Indiana CarX locations run by Joe Childers. CarX.com for that location nearest you. Anything else you want to add? Give me something just completely out of left field you might have been thinking about in the last day or so. Something only you could think about. I hate to put you on the spot with that. Yeah, only you. Something only I could. Well, you know, what what I thought about when you introed me onto this spot is that I have a a wide-ranging amount of taste in the musical field besides just Hanson. But if you are insisting on playing Hanson, there are many other tracks that I enjoy. Penny and Me, um, This Time Around, Weird, that that we can kind of have James or whoever else uh, choose from as far as yeah, that nobody knows can, nobody knows who those songs track. are though right i don't think anybody else besides you knows that and I, you're a fish fan right don't you like get all bo'd up and go out to rue off whenever fish comes to town back to back and don't shower with everybody else and listen to fish oh yeah i mean i always wear deodorant but yeah everything else that you said is true no, you much. can no it's nobody wears true. deodorant yeah. at fish shows everybody's got bo no, we, we can rock some carini or hood or you enjoy myself. We could do any of that too, John. You know, I'll, I'll, like I said, I'll send you. I'll text you a list. <laughs> what? What? What's Next the? Time you have me on. What's the worst level of bo scent? Is it going to a a fish back to back double bill at Ruoff in the summertime, or or being in the upper deck with all those Bulls fans the other night that come down from the region smelling like oh, body boy. odor? What's worse? I, I actually got a trump card for you. Uh, August New York City subway. Oh really? Is that what? Oh yeah. Yeah. Brutal. Absolutely brutal. So, Derek Schultz, hey, have a great time hosting that. Thanks for coming on today, too. And uh, the best of luck in redoing that basement down there, too. <laughs> Thanks, man. Always appreciate you got it. it, buddy. Thank you. Derek Schultz right there on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. What, what's what's the, the Zabio scent? Is it worse for fish shows or worse when the Bulls fans come down from the region? Yeah, that's pretty funny. That quick break and we'll come back. Top of the hour, Mike Wells, ESPN Radio is going to join us. We'll talk about a variety of things, certainly the new coaching hire for the Colts. Some NBA All-Star weekend because back in the day, he covered the Pacers. He covered the Pacers when they have representation and uh, certainly, I believe, has been to an All-Star game. We'll talk about that and more with Mike coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. Doug Bowles, Speedway Prez, 100 days away from the Indianapolis 500 and voice of the Hoosiers, Don Fisher, in the 5 o'clock hour. 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. All right, let's take it from the top. The top of what? 
name. My name? No, my name. I do not know your name. You play games with me, mister, and you're through. I am? May I go now? 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. James is the in-studio producer. I'm John. Thank you for joining us. Derek Schultz, Indiana Sports Talk. Tonight's got you covered. 9.30, JMV Takeover tomorrow night from 6 until midnight. <laughs> yeah, no. I, I do. I, like, Jennifer, who I call grifty or gritty or whatever, inside the lounge via YouTube Live, we were kind of joking back and forth what uh, this dude named Calvin called me a little bit earlier. He said I was a crank and a narcissist, and I was going to try to use what I put together, new words I made out of that in a sentence. Uh, you're, you're right, Rich. Rich responded to that. I do need to do that at some point. i got to come up with that. <laughs> It's pretty funny, though. That makes me laugh. Hey, JMV, your analysis of TJD taking over in the second half was spot on, but what really greased the wheels was when IU finally hit a couple of threes. It all changed after that. Northwestern was forced to guard the perimeter, and Trace got some space. No doubt about that. No doubt. Just consistency of that needs to happen. I just don't know if you're going to get the consistency of it, especially away from Simon Scott Assembly Hall. That, to me, what is the most problematic. Hopefully that's right. And and again, hopefully Purdue figures out. And Derek and I were talking about that last night, getting out-rebounded in the fashion in which they did. You know, that technical, just some things that you can't, you can't work against yourself. On the road. And, and Purdue had been so good in one-possession road games. It had a one-possession win against Maryland at home earlier this season. Last night, it was far from a one-possession. Right after Mason Gillis got that tickle, it, went, it all went downhill after that. A quick win. We'll come back. Doug Bowles, 100 days until the greatest spectacle in racing. Doug joins us coming up at the bottom of the hour. But Mike Wells of ESPN Radio is next. Shane Steichen, the direction of the Colts, the Pacers, NBA All-Star Weekend, and more coming straight at you from ESPN Radio. Mike Wells, next. The Ride with JMV. I love JMV. He looks like Rascal Flats guy. Got a cool soul patch. He does. And a... Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Buttery smooth voice. Oh, yeah. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Doug Bowles, bottom of the hour. Voice of the Hoosiers, Don Fisher, is going to join us coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. Welcome back to the show. Mike Wells of ESPN.com joins us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I'll go ahead and hand it off to Mike Wells and he can hit the verse. Mike, take it over. Is 
when you look at me. We let you down. <laughs> Here it is. This is big time. <laughs> yeah, I, I apologize. There it is. Bell Biv DeVoe, when will I see you smile again? With the Mike Well slow jam Marie entry. <laughs> 1991 <laughs> that uh that showed up uh that showed your skill set right there with ricky bell you know i talked to ricky bell and ron devoe last week uh in an interview and um it was um a zoom call interview and i actually told ricky bell i said hey you are one of the greatest r&b voices of all time and i stand by that i do i don't think he gets nearly enough credit for the type of voice he has and has had over the years. No, listen, more importantly, Jay, yeah. did you tell him that you and I are yes. going to be at Gamebridge Fieldhouse oh, yeah. on March 24th, and we need to get up backstage? Yes. Uh, we are not We are not going to be the front row in case in case some ladies try to throw some panties on the stage and stuff like that, like they did back in the day. We don't want to get hit, hit with any undergarments, but let her know we'll be there. If they need an additional backup singer, I will gladly yes. hop on a stage, and whoever's not once Bobby Brown gets winded, I'll step into his role. I work on my cardio between now and the twenty fourth at the Fieldhouse, and be ready to roll if they need me. Thought it was me. You could at least do the little background singing right there. <laughs> Thought it was me. So that's going to be fantastic. But those guys are great. Talking to Ricky Bell and, and Ron DeVoe, and we, we met them when we saw Bell Biv DeVoe play at Harris Hoosier Park in Anderson, what, three or so years ago. And yeah. those guys are really good dudes. They are. No, I mean, listen, especially, uh, I mean, listen, you didn't have my, Michael Bivens, yeah. Ron DeVoe, Ricky Bell. Uh, Michael Bivens is a, is a basketball head. I remember when we were up at, uh, up at uh, Anderson and we met them a couple years ago. I was talking to um, Michael about that when I when I, during the play during the finals last year I was doing ESPN national radio and we had Michael come in and give a breakdown of the Boston Golden State series. So those guys they know their sports man and I I gotta tell you man I've had a number of people say they're gonna be at that concert on the twenty fourth. Yeah, I've told I've told I've told the favorite member of, of uh, my household that you love the most. I love her, Ms. Layla. That I I don't care what she has going on on the twenty fourth. I'm not missing out on seeing Guy and and, um, and New Edition and all those guys. Key Sweat. She, she's yeah. A, yeah, she, hey, she's gonna be. She's gonna, hey, her mama's gonna have to handle her that night because you and I. I might even throw on get some overalls, put one strap over with a cross colors T-shirt on. The roll up in there in that night. Well, I've shouted out to our friend Dion too. That's that's going to get us in the door and, and hang out with us. That um, I, I got to get Teddy Riley on this show again before they do that too. That's that was one of I think it's been about five years ago. He was on the show, and that's one of my my more crowning achievements right there. Uh, he was awesome, absolutely awesome. No, that, that's how it's supposed to be, man. We can't just talk sports all the time, man. I mean, I know. I mean, it's all NBA All Star break. You know, trying to be a positive weekend for the Patriots out of Salt Lake City. Coach named named the head coach finally, but we also got to live life a little bit and enjoy and let everybody know that you know I can't sing and you are an albino brother deep down. From the <laughs> I cannot wait, cannot wait for that. That is going to be a blast. Mike Wells of ESPN Radios on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. So, what'd you think of the coaching hire of the Colts earlier this week in Shane Steichen? I mean, you, if you if anybody was paying attention, all the dots connected to him, uh, connected to Shane. 
you know, especially when it came to waiting until after the Super Bowl and everything. Uh, second straight Philadelphia offensive coordinator that um, the Colts have plucked, Shane uh, following behind Frank Wright to come on board. My my rule is if you can, you may not. He's, he's kind of dry when it comes to giving quotes and stuff. But if you can cut your ass off, nobody cares. You can be, yeah, you know, a boring quote and whatnot. But if you can, if you can coach, which is what the Colts really need, in getting you know a, a guy that's going to get this franchise headed in the right direction, because the Colts organization is very close to rock bottom. And my at this point, in my opinion. The lowest they've been since I moved here 18 years ago, at least. Um, so they got to have some type of positive reinforcement. And what Shane did with Jalen Hurts, the quarterback this year, I mean, take that fumble away from from Hurts in the first half against Kansas City. The Eagles were, you know, potentially trying to get at least a 17-7 lead. You know, as many as maybe 21 to seven had Hurts not fumbled. And I think what Shane did with um, with Jalen was everybody said, oh, he's just a running quarterback or an RPO quarterback. I mean, my man had one hell of a game. He would have easily been the, the MVP of the Super Bowl had the Eagles won that game. Now, he, I, I think. Yes. Yeah, I agree. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, go ahead. I agree. No, yeah, I, I was going to say, I mean, he he played his butt off. So props had to be given to him. And and it's not like Shane is the only um, coach, a guy like Jalen Hurts. I mean, you look, you look at his, uh, his record, I mean, between Phillip Rivers, Justin Herbert, also, um, you know, Jalen Hurts, he can coach three different, you know, any solid quarterback it looks like. So uh, whoever the, the Colts decide to take in the first round, um, I think he'll be able to mold and get him going in the right direction. Yes, uh, Mike Wells of ESPN Radio talking Colts and Shane Steichen and more right now, the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I know he didn't mean it this way, but I kind of viewed it, described it as that great moment in the Warriors where they thought the Warriors were the ones that got Cyrus and they they said, send the word. Send the word. I thought he sent the word when he went over all those thank yous for players both past and present that he had coached up. And about 95% of those players were high-level, elite-level skill position players that clearly the Colts desperately need, which I think we all hope they have to, that the philosophy of Chris Ballard goes into a different direction than we have seen for the most part over the previous six years. No, uh, you, you're 100% correct about that. So, um, it, it's, you know, people say, well, they, you know, they got skill position players. Yes, they got Michael Pittman Jr. I think Michael Pittman could be a better, even better receiver. Um, I mean, Perry, it was great to see Paris Campbell actually get through a season without getting injured. But they, they, the covered at skill position, in my opinion, on this roster, it's not full. They still need to add more pieces. Jonathan Taylor's got to have a bounce back year. Um, after dealing with in, that high ankle sprain most of last season. So th- there's, this was just the first domino in, in getting a head coach. Now it's going to be, you know, obviously with the combine coming up in uh, less than two weeks, the rumor mill will start about, you know, what, what the Chicago Bears are going to do when the number one overall pick. Are the Colts going to try to move up from number four to get that top pick? And then there's free agency. There are pieces on this roster that have to get filled. You, you know, Shane can't just come in and all of a sudden say everything's fine. It's not. It's not that damn easy. I wish. I'm sure Colts fans wish they could just snap their fingers and say, "All right, they're going to be back, be able to push the damn Jacksonville Jaguars in the AFC South." No, there's still a lot of work to get done between now and the draft the last weekend in April for uh, Chris Ballard and uh, the organization. So, Mike Rick Venturi was on the show Wednesday and said that the Colts absolutely have to do whatever they can to get up to number one. 
to secure what they want in a quarterback in this draft and what he believes that they should want is Bryce Young. What do you think? I love it. I love it. Listen, this is one time where we've all heard Chris Bauer, the general manager, say how he loved his draft picks. You know what, Chris? It's time to just kind of pony up some of those draft picks and give up things to get that number one overall pick and get Bryce Young, get that guy who um, who has had plenty of success at the college level. So it shouldn't matter. It shouldn't matter that you love your picks. Go ahead and and, and give up whatever whatever it takes as far as future first round picks or whatever whatever the Bears are asking for. You got to outbid the other teams. Yeah, I, I, I like, and I don't know if we would ever know if they did, right? Because they're at four, and maybe, I mean, maybe they end up liking somebody that's going to be available at four. I, I just want them to to not settle. And if they like somebody that they believe is going to go before they draft, then get yourself up there and get that somebody. That's how important I think is to secure the quarterback that you truly believe in and secure that in this draft. Again, if that's what you believe. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, people say, well, you know, Will Levis could be like Josh Allen. You know, Levis didn't have great talent yet. You know, potentially, maybe, maybe he does have one. You know, the tools to be. Uh, as good as Josh Allen once he has talent around him. But this this franchise is not in position, in my opinion, to sit here and risk it and set itself further back in, you know, where it's at as far as not having success and making the playoffs. They have to know – they if they feel like a guy is going to change the direction of where the organization is going, they have to be willing to do whatever it takes and not just say, okay – you know, maybe maybe Will Levis can be Josh Allen, but he ends up turning out to be Mitchell Trubisky. We know Trubisky is straight hot doo doo, so you can't. Bowler can't afford to uh, to risk it in, in this situation. You um, you a fan of any of these quarterbacks? And and again, the whole pecking order may end up changing by virtue of the combine that is coming up or whatever circumstances. But from the most often commented upon quarterbacks with availability in this spring draft. Who strikes you as the best? Oh, Bryce Young. Bryce Young. Uh, let, let me let me ask you, let me ask you this question, yeah. maybe because I, I just can't. I'm trying to pick one, but uh, Justin Justin Fields may turn out to be okay once the Bears help him out in good position. But can you name a Ohio State quarterback that has come in and kicked Butte in the NFL? Yeah, it's it's a tough one. It's a tough one. That's what's commonly brought up as far as why. C.J. Stroud. And my my counterpoint is pretty weak. My counterpoint is just watching him against the best team the past two years. Now, they were different defensively this year than they were last year. I do get that in Georgia. But I, I just – I was struck watching him in that national semifinal against Georgia. He looked to me like everything that you need if you were the Colts at the quarterback that is a this-era quarterback with the arm strength, the accuracy, the mobility – um, all, all of that. Now, you know, people are going to bring up just like what you brought up: the fact that historically speaking, Ohio State quarterbacks don't do anything, and they're also going to bring up Mike the fact that Ohio State's wide receiving core and possibly offensive line may be better right now than what the Colts have for him, or maybe better this past year for him. So I understand that there's some pitfalls, but I, th- I think you can find that anywhere. You can find that with Bryce Young, just regarding yeah. his size, and he's also he's also played 
with the best in college football. He wasn't going yeah, without yeah. anything in Tuscaloosa. And, you know, you know, Levis is a guy that, that um, didn't have a lot. And you kind of saw that reflection in numbers-wise what he looked like in some of those games against a higher level of talent. And, you know, Richardson is a guy that has, you know, all these athletic capabilities but hadn't really been given much of an opportunity or haven't been given an opportunity to see a lot of it. So you could poke holes in a lot of these final decisions a quarterback if you want to. Well, it, it's funny you, you mention that because, uh, you know, my students down at um... – down at IU, we always have we have before class. I tell them we can talk sports before class starts, and I enjoy getting their, you know their insight on things. And everything you just said are things that a number of students have have mentioned to me. You know, with with Bryce Young, he's he always has a hell of an offensive line in front of him. You know, great running backs to take the load off of him, where he doesn't have to worry. Where defenses can't, you know, uh, sit back and and. Um, pin their ears back. You know, they can't – if they load the, load the box up, he, he's going to have time in the pocket to throw the ball. C.J. Stroud, man, when you got when you got someone with the last name Harrison, first name Marvin, even though it's a junior at wide receiver and the yep. O-line like that, yep. of course you're going to have success. Will Will Levis, he, he he hasn't had any of those things. So that's – so you're, you made an excellent point about being able to poke a hole in, in, in all these quarterbacks, the, the Florida kid. Like you said, maybe the opportunity hasn't been there. So it is – it should be fun for Ballard in the scouting department, but there's going to be so much pressure because while Ballard survived, you know, missing the playoffs yet again and going through a coaching change, at some point, Jim Mercer is going to be like, when are you going to get the pieces, all the pieces, not just in the trenches, to be able to compete in the AFC? Because people need to realize Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, Mac Jones, Josh Allen, I mean, the list goes on and on. All those quarterbacks play in the AFC. And they're not going anywhere anytime soon. And they're still in the prime of their careers in the 20s. So, uh, Ballard and the Colts better hurry up because you got to have a damn quarterback if you expect to win. Yeah, and with Shane Steichen, by the way, too, Mike, it's, it's going to be one of these things where it, obviously it, it is going to take a minute. But it's going to be one of those things while it's taking a minute, you're going to have to show bits and pieces of signs of believability. That's kind of what this fan base has been left with right now. You know, looking for those bits and pieces of believability that this thing is on track. I don't think you're going to get hardcore evidence coming up in 2023 with this season and in the first year for Steichen, but you're going to have to see bits and pieces of, wow, you know, this is a lot better than it was. And, and you know, the fact where he said, you know, you're going to pass the score and you're going to run – to win, I mean, things where you are just hardcore, Mike, on on the offense and trying to to make it the top level, not so much worrying about you know both sides of the line and the trenches and doing it in an old school way. I hope more so than anything else, this era philosophy of what it takes to be a top level team in the NFL is what Shane Steichen is bringing to this team more so than anything else. That philosophy alone. It, it, it has to be. I mean, you look at what, what other teams, you know, the good, the good, I don't want to say other teams, the very, very good teams in the NFL, that's, that's exactly what they do. And what I like is, you know, you know, Mars something crazy is going to keep them keep Bubba Patron and Gus Bradley, you know, two guys who were intended, who were, who attended his um, press conference on Tuesday, keep those guys on board because I mean, Bradley and that defense is Shaq Leonard can finally, finally get healthy and they don't touch much on, on the defensive line, 
and Quiddy Pay continues to keep going, the defense could be good. I mean, it's, I think, you know, what we saw Stephon Gilmore, you know, he, he's found that found of youth, but at the same time, you got to be real, realistic. He's also up there at age, so you, you got to um, uh, get, get, get some certain positions out there. You got to take care of still and upgrade, but it, it's going to be up to Steichen to get that offense rolling. You've got to get them rolling because you got to score points. Last season, there was no, there was not, there was not one glimmer of hope for this franchise to look forward to the future. I just didn't see it at all last season. How much hope do you see in the Pacers? I mean, even with the struggles they've had, uh, with, with with being without Tyrese Halliburton, even when he he got back, and again, yeah, yeah, I can make excuses for it. I think it's more of this is what this team is, and this is more a product of the schedule, what this team is, and and things of that nature. But do you see the bits and pieces with this group coming together and this team coming together sooner rather than later? I I do I do see the bits and pieces. I think what we're what we have seen from the from the Pacers since what the middle of January, early January is what people thought the Pacers were going to be at the start of the season. They exceeded those expectations to start the season. They were they were fun, young, energetic, and everything. And they're and they're they're still that, but the holes are still on that roster. So while they're losing, while they're losing, it's just helping them once it becomes to the draft, so they can continue to build off of it. Um, you know, it, it, unless unless. Uh, Rick Carlisle, head coach, can get things flipped around. You know, you're looking at the team that's going to miss the playoffs again. But I do like the, um, the, the 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 young guys what they have. Here, do you at what point does uh, your boy Mather move into the starting lineup? Uh, well, I mean, it's it's, it's Rick Carlisle. <laughs> so, I don't know. Uh, maybe you should be asking at what point does George Hill move to the starting lineup? Uh, Matt, I'm just joking, obviously. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm just joking, kind of, kind of joking here. Um, I, I've said this all along. Yeah, I'm sure at some point there's no doubt you have to see that. I, I just not. I haven't been when they were winning. I wasn't in a hurry at all. I just thought everything was going, and you just let everything continue to go. He was still getting his. But I guess what was odd was a week ago when. Halliburton got back, and he goes from I think it was a four four game span, so a small sample size. When Mather and Mike went from you know thirty three and a half minutes per game down to twenty two and a half, and you know he was out in a a late game situation. Uh, who was it against? I can't remember who was it against. Now it was a late game situation where uh, obviously they had, they had needed him. We all kind of questioned why he wasn't out there. It, th- those things are kind of weird to me, but I, I'm okay with what he has done so far. And I'm assuming before the end of the season he'll probably get some spot starts coming up. I just I haven't looked at that as a level of importance more than just getting him out there and getting him clock in general. Yeah, no, I I I, I, to, I, to, I totally get it. I just hope later on in the season, Carlisle does give him an opportunity. Um, I'm, I'm gonna t- I need to take take a moment and give a shout out to a guy that we are very close with. Yeah, I've been spending a lot of time with our good friend David Benner. Yeah, and I've enjoyed our conversations talking about the Pacers. I mean, it's great to hear him talk about the team that you know the organization he spent so many years with. So it's been fun sitting around and just talking about him. He's watching them very faithfully. On his uh, on his streaming on his iPad and stuff, so it's been fun. And hopefully, once once the, once the All Star break is over, the Patriots can turn the corner. Because what I hate to see is we we saw the Fieldhouse filled up early on when they were when they were playing exciting basketball, and they were winning and pulling off upsets. But the more and more they've been losing, fewer fans are showing up, uh, with the exception of 
when, you know, the Bulls or the uh, teams with the, uh, the superstar players there. So hopefully, you know, you know this, this franchise more than the Colts needs fan support. Fans are always going to support the Colts. I can't always say that's going to be the case with the Pacers. Um, I want to get back to David Benner for a moment, too. And I've said this before. Uh, again, this is not an original statement from me, but there has been nobody here. And there have been some good ones, too, that has, has done it better than being a a media guru with the Pacers than David Benner. And I always felt that he was front and center because he actually was on the other side of it at the Indianapolis Star for so many years and, and wrote – about these teams, whether it was the Pacers or wrote about IU at such a high level. He had such a grasp on that job at hand. And even my even when I did a Sunday show um, over at the other station, and that's all I had, he would still, you know, hook me up with Pacer players. There, there's just been nobody better doing what he has done. And really nobody as far as working with teams here locally that has been more meaningful for me than David Benner. And um, no. while, while people are really good at their gigs, there will be nobody again like DB. Nobody. Exactly. You know, he and I have done a lot of reminiscing because on most off days of when I'm teaching, I'm hanging on the south side. When I'm not teaching, I'm hanging on the south side with him. And we, we do a lot of reminiscing. And it's great when, my phone, when I get text messages from the TJ Fords and the Jeff Fosters and yeah. Austin Crozier's texting me asking and checking in on Benner and stuff. So it, it, that tells you the guys that have not been in an organization for over a decade are reaching out to check in on, you know, one of our favorite guys in that organization. Incredible impact. I mean, an incredible impact on the fan, incredible impact on the media, on the team, on personnel, on players, his relationship with Reggie Miller. He has done it all, Mike. He really has. Exactly. So no, it's great, man. Uh, but hey, I got to get ready to run, brother. But uh, hey, uh, your, your your favorite your favorite girl told me to tell you hello. They suffered their first loss of the season oh, last boy. night in the in, in the county championship game against uh, the other against Brownsburg West. It was a great game, one point loss, but uh, you know it uh, it was definitely fun. But she told me to make sure to tell you hello. Well, I wish uh, I wish I get well. Tell her hello from me too, and uh, I, I wish it was equally enjoyable on the south side. <laughs> <laughs> hey, how is my, hey, my girl Laney holding up? Oh, she's doing fine. We're going to go watch. Um, we're going to go. Bedford North Lawrence's coach is a friend of mine, and he's from my hometown. And and we're going to go watch uh, CG in the semi-state tomorrow morning uh, play Bedford North Lawrence. So, nah, she's uh, – she. Um, I, I always tell her all the time, I say, you know what? You, you have a big job in this world. And she says, what? And I said – you're a bright light wherever you go. You're the sunshine wherever you go. Don't ever lose that. Don't ever have anybody snuff that out. Don't let anybody, you know, darken that that sunshine that you are. I said there are not enough, not enough twenty four seven three six five folks like that in this world. You got to make sure you maintain and continue being that. So she's all good. It's all good. No, you're right. So, hey, so you guys are going to check out the ladies tomorrow? We're going to go check uh, out the 10 a.m. game with Center Grove. I think it's Center Grove and Bedford North Lawrence, and then it's Lawrence North and Ben Davis. My man John Easter, I'm sure, will be yeah. over there with the Ben Davis Giants. Yeah. Who are really good, too. Oh, wow. Hey, hey, Bedford, they got a girl going to, who committed to uh, Butler for next year and helping out our – Helping out my guy Austin Parkinson in that program for next season. Who's uh, is it? Um, what girl is it? The is her last name Spring? 
that what it is? Maybe uh, I don't know. You know, that's a great damn question. I just heard him. I've just heard him talk about the uh, getting a yeah, Bedford commit. Jeff so, Jeff Allen is the coach. Jeff Allen is from my uh, small hometown of Owensburg. He was an Eastern Green Thunderbird, just like me. He graduated in 1979. He played two years at Vincennes and then played two years at DePaul. If you remember when DePaul was good, that was back. I think he played for Joey Meyer. It was after Ray Meyer Joey retired, Meyer. but no. he played for Joey Meyer. I believe his he had teammates like i think tyrone corbin was a teammate of his um and there were some I, I terry cummings may have been i'm not quite sure but he played at depot didn't play kind of he was there <laughs> he was there he was there but he was on that team when depaul was pretty good really man, good actually man. back then Hey, DePaul hasn't been good since Quentin Richardson left that program in the 90s, but that it's is, a shame. Because it, I used to, it's I used, been a while. I used to love watching them. It, it's been a while. Hey, have fun tomorrow. Enjoy that quality time with your baby girl, Jay. You got it. Appreciate you. Mike Wells of ESPN Radio on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Pilot. And a shout-out to Layla. Quick break. We'll come back 100 days until the greatest spectacle in racing. IMS Prez Doug Bowles. We'll talk about that. Maybe even try to bend his ear regarding who he might think is going to be the Carb Day Entertainment. That's in a tavern tour stop for the month of February announcement forthcoming next Friday. I'll explain next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Nachos, lemon heads, my dad's boat. You won't go down because my... 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. All right, coming up in a couple of minutes, I'll tell you where the Tavern Tour stop is going to be for the month of February with Larceny Bourbon, our Heaven Hill Distillery, me and betting analyst Brent Halverson, next Friday. I'll give you that info coming up. In just a bit, so sit tight for that. Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers, top of the hour. Mike Wells, Derek Schultz so far. Joe Lenardi, bracketology coming at you in the 4 o'clock hour on Monday as well. So we'll get back and good to go with a little college hoop after this weekend. But on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Pipeline, celebrating 100 days until the Indianapolis 500. And I'm sure probably celebrating coming up on Sunday, given what has taken place with Connor Daly leading up to Daytona on Sunday. Speedway Press, Doug Bowles joins us. Uh, the household just a little bit excited about this? <laughs> You know, you, you talked about having bourbon next Friday. You got to invite me, man, because I'm going to need some after the last 24 hours and then certainly <laughs> getting, ready for, uh, getting ready for the 100 days out. But, yeah, last night was really, really cool for Connor. I unfortunately had to leave Daytona just about the time the duels started to fly back home. And I got Beth there, and so Beth was down there with him, which was, which was good. But just kind of watching it on the plane and seeing the whole thing unfold, um, it was uh, – it was not something that we thought would happen that the team was really struggling and um you know just fate played uh, played into his hand and that's kind of cool he gets a chance to start a daytona 500 i haven't had a chance to talk to him but but you can tell me how did that that seats and that whole situation evolve over the past couple of weeks doug well so last year um bit nile who was his, who's his sponsor in indycar um, asked him if he'd be interested in running a cup car at some point in time. He said, well, absolutely. And then they worked a deal with um, Floyd Mayweather's team, the TMT team, and Connor actually ran the cup race on the Charlotte road course uh, last fall, which was his first cup race. 
and then they just continued to talk and then the 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 deal uh, the deal came together they they all collectively including connor were talking to uh, about potentially putting elio in for the 500 and and then having connor run a variety of the road course races for uh, for that team this year and then ultimately they just decided let's just put connor in the 500 and also some of these road course races so uh, it's a, just a kind of cool deal that the guys at Bit Nile are really committed to Connor and have uh, you know, have given him a pretty cool opportunity to do something uh, only a handful of drivers have done, which is start the Daytona 500 and the Indy 500 in the same year. How many um, state of Indiana products are in that race on Sunday? I know uh, uh, Bris- so what, Briscoe, Justin, ha- Justin yeah. Haley, Haley, and Chase Briscoe for sure. Yeah. Those two. Um, that are that are obviously pretty strong, and then you got guys who spend a lot of time in Indiana, like Christopher Bell and Kyle Larson, and they're not Hoosiers necessarily, but certainly are not unfamiliar to short track fans around here. So, um, but but Chase Briscoe and and Justin Chase and Connor have built a really close relationship, and and a lot of those guys have really sort of been uh, mentoring Connor because it's a I mean they got no practice right he'd never yeah. been in the car he'd never been in the car on a on an oval like that with all the drafting and they just said hey here you go and if you saw the start of the race the car was not exactly prepared great so they've got some work to do in there they got a practice they've got a practice session today so or this evening so hopefully that'll help what did he do to prepare for that was that one of those video game type of things there's not there's really nothing you can do to prepare for that wow. right I mean it's just just so jump in there huh you just just jump in and go. I mean, they could have had some practice, right, where you could have worked your way up to it. But that, but that's one of those things where they just strap you in and say, "Let's go." And then, and then if you make the race, then you get to practice twice before the race itself. So he'll uh, practice this evening, I think, around five thirty, and then they practice again tomorrow morning, and then they go racing on Sunday. So Doug Bowles, IMS president, one hundred days away from the greatest spectacle in racing, and I, I know this is not this year, but just in terms of talking about Daytona on Sunday, and you know, you mentioned uh, Kyle Larson uh, coming up the year after next, he's going to uh, do a, a double dip. Is that just going to be one situation for an incredibly talented driver, or might we see more of this start to to happen with the Indy Five Hundred in mind here? You know, there's a lot of there's a lot more interest, I think, from the Cup side drivers in trying the Indy 500. You know, Kurt Busch obviously did a few years ago, and then Jimmy Johnson running two seasons in the NTT IndyCar Series, I think, was really helpful. And you know, people talk about Kyle running the running the 500 for a few years, and when he won the BC 39, um, the first year we had it after Roger bought the Speedway, he and Roger got into this really cool conversation at Victory Lane of the BC 39 of of running the 500 and just watching. Roger and Kyle's eyes both light up when they were talking about getting Kyle to run here. Um, I think it's pretty cool. So I think you're going to see more people do that. It's it's um, it's probably easier for a cup driver to transition to the oval than it is for a cup driver to transition for the road course. You kind of saw it in, in Jimmy. He got better every weekend, but it's just when you haven't been in a, a rear engine car your whole entire career, you're always going to be you know, a second or so off the pace, and that's kind of what what had happened to him. I'll tell you, I give him huge props for for doing what he did because it's it's pretty impressive. So Tony Kanaan, this is going to be his final one coming up yep. in, in May. How much um, how much more does that emphasis wise, interest wise, does that put? Given the fact that somebody that has been embraced at arguably the highest level since since he got here is going to run in what apparently, according to his announcement, will be his final one. Well, I, I was hoping to talk him out of it the several times he and I talked about this, but I think he just feels like he feels like it's it, it's time. I mean, there's there's really not been an IndyCar driver, Indianapolis 500 driver 
in the last 20 or 25 years that our fans have embraced like they've embraced Tony. And it's really because of the way, you know, he loves the Speedway. He respects the place. He's a Hoosier now. He lives here. It just is one of those, one of those personalities. And I think part of it was it just took him so long to win. And, and he always had his, wore his emotion on his sleeves. And, and I, I think we all, we all could connect to that. And so that victory in 2013 was, was a pretty special one. And, and, you know, we always have these conversations about, uh, you know, about, oh, we need more Americans in the series. And we've got, you know, it's kind of half and half. But there's a guy that it doesn't matter what nationality he's from. I think we all can get on board with the, with the TK, uh, loving TK. And he's got the big old, the big old tattoo that's all about Indianapolis and the Speedway. Um, he did say to me, though, that if, if he's lucky enough to win this thing, he might have to come back next year. So well, well, that's why we want him to win, <laughs> so that way we have to come back. That's why I kind of prefaced the question in the fashion in which I did, because you just now you never you never really know. It's Speedway President Doug Bowles 100 days away from the Indy 500. Um, meaningful because we just want to remind folks that it is on the way. I mean, it, it, it does spark to me a lot of, wow, we're getting closer and closer and you know being in the winter time hopefully at the tail end of that right here it, it gets you a, a good feeling going if nothing else it, it, it really does and i think this is the this is kind of the beginning of the serious march up to the 500 it's the time where we start making announcements where soon i'll get to call you and we can talk about carb day and we can talk about other music elements that, that really you know just all the things you expect to happen you know the first time we did this was in 2016 leading up to the the hundredth running of the Indy 500, we took a page out of NCAA college basketball when, you know, when teams used to have their midnight practice, you know, on the day that they were allowed to start practicing again. So we had a midnight lighting of the pagoda or the, the pylon to get ourselves ready for the hundredth running. And then the 101st year, we had a 101 day out party. I think maybe even the 102nd year, we might've done 102. We said, well, this is dumb. Let's just stay at a hundred days. So it really just is a great way to get everybody engaged and say, hey, it, it is just around the corner and 100 days will 100 days will feel like 10 by the time we start looking back on it. It just it goes really, really quickly. And, and every year when we announce this, within 15 minutes after we announce it, we do free tickets and we 2000 people within 15 minutes have gobbled up the free tickets to the event. And and tonight will be the best one we've had. We'll have a ton of drivers here tonight. We've got a whole bunch of of our partners we've got our folks from good ranchers are going to be grilling up some burgers and all for fans it's just going to be a really fun night and and we're going to do something pretty cool with roger and elio here shortly um on the yard of bricks that i that i can't wait to uh, i can't wait to see and that, that's that'll be kind of the highlight for me tonight is that's uh, unveil of our of our yard of bricks and elio's elio's brick is now in the in the yard of bricks and he hadn't seen it yet and roger's going to help unveil it so did you say that the, the tickets for this event are gone they're gone. I mean, okay. they go. They go. Literally, go within 15 minutes of the time right. we announce that we're having. It. Right. Understand. There's no no doubt about that. That'd be fun tonight. There's no doubt. Doug Bowles joins us. You brought up Carb Day, and I I, I looked this up because people are saying, you know, don't they normally make that Carb Day announcement uh, a little bit after the Super Bowl? And and maybe you you have in the past, but I I looked it up last year. I don't think the announcement was made until March the 24th, which which seems rather late. Yep. Where are you right now as far as the uh, the announcement of Carb Day? Do you have anything etched in stone? I hope we are within two to three weeks of it. So we're going to be, I hope to be a little earlier than last year. We've been as early as like when we announced Journey. I think we announced Journey in December. I think you're right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's always better to announce early. I, I just think that always helps. Um, you know, the challenge, we talk about this all the time, the challenge is just uh, the big sheds and the live nations of the world really kind of control everybody, and they can kind of wait till they know what their schedules look like, and then uh, 
you know, and then we sort of sort of step on board and and uh, that's kind of where we are. But we've got I think we've got some good options this year. We'll have some fun with it. And, uh, and then we've got our Legends Day music, the country music that will be downtown to White River um, in partnership with the folks at Firestone and Live Nation. We'll be announcing that about the same time, I hope. Oh, wow. That'd be cool. That then that, that has that has been cool. Now, um, well, well, I like the options right now for Carb Day. Will you will you look at me, know me, what I like? Will I I dig on these options? I think you'll I think you'll dig uh, one of them. Um, <laughs> we're thinking about we're we'll try and see where we go. What I'm trying to do here's the balance act always right. Sure. I mean, there's a it's it's uh, how long can we stay in what I think you and I think of Carb Day, which is sort of that 80s right, maybe a little early 90s band before we really have to start thinking about late 90s, early 2000s to appeal to that next generation of of fan. So we're there and right now. Are we kind of on that? I feel like we're getting real close, and if it's yeah. not this year, I think next year we I have agree. to really start thinking. Uh, I think yeah. we have to really start thinking about, um, you know, how do we uh, how do we connect a little bit with and, and bridge that gap a bit. Um, you know, one example, um, and this is not who we have, but when Gwen Stefani played the Iowa race last summer, uh, I was over there working, and and Beth and our youngest Carter was there, and they said, "Hey, we're going to go watch Gwen Stefani." I'm like, I don't. Even, I mean, I know the name. I don't know Gwen Stefani. So I walked over with him. I couldn't believe that I knew like six or seven Gwen Stefani songs, right? And so it was the first time in my head that I started thinking about, okay, there have to be other people that aren't 80s and 90s music that I would do the same thing. I go, I know the name, but I don't think I know the music. And then right. you start hearing, you go, oh, I know that song and that song and that song. It's the same reason we like the 80s bands, right? The young right. kids go, I don't know who they are. And then they go, oh, yeah, I know that, 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 and that. So I do think we're we're on the cusp of the time that we have to find a way to begin to transition to that next uh, that next generation that's going to love Carb Day. No, I nah, I agree with you on that too, and uh, yeah, and you know, there's nothing wrong with that because I mean that's just kind of the evolution um, of us all age wise, and you know, I like I like a lot of stuff anyway, so that's cool. I mean, obviously, you and I are both kind of from you know the same era here, so we like yep. what we like. But uh, yep. yeah, that that probably makes it a little bit difficult when to make that next step, when to make that next jump, right? It, it does, and then you know, I get a, a lot of people, kind of my age, that say, "Well, you don't need any young stuff because they get that on the snake pit." Well, that's really young, right? Yeah, I mean, that's really yeah. for the most part. It's, although having Shaquille O'Neal in the snake pit is going to be pretty dang cool, I think. Um, this year, who so that, you know, is this? Shaquille O'Neal is Martin Garrix out there too? Did I see that? No, it's no. Cascade. Oh, okay, and Cascade. Be the headliner, yeah. and then the other ones I've memorized because I can't tell you what they do. Is John, <laughs> you know, John Summit, the Sub- Subtronics, and Jaws, spelled J A U Z, um, and then DJ Diesel, who is Shaquille O'Neal, and and I, you know, just the idea of seeing Shaq out there with twenty five thousand young kids uh, under the age of you know thirty, hanging out at the racetrack, and and our hope is that. Uh, I'd love my my goal on race day. This is really dumb, but my goal on race day is I want a photo of Mario Andretti standing next to seven foot tall Shaquille <laughs> O'Neal. Just the difference of the two. And I'll tell you what I think in a I think in a fist fight I might take Mario because <laughs> that I'll tell you what that dude still today is one of the toughest people I've ever met. Yeah, yeah no doubt that the the Shaquille thing is is pretty cool though. Uh, that's that that'll be a good time out of this Nate 
pick for that. And and again, I mean, you're you're trying to broaden the horizons with you know all age and and all genres as much as you can right here. And uh, got a lot of respect for that because that's that's hard. That is a hard thing to do given the scope and the age groups that love to be in and around IMS for racing or otherwise. It's it's difficult to get something that absolutely everybody loves all the time. Well, I, I know, especially in the Car Bay announcement, I'm going to get 50% of people that love it, yeah. and 50% of people are going to say, what's your problem? And it's just, you know, it's one of those things, and, and we just kind of keep moving forward, and hopefully what people realize is we're doing the best we can to get the weekend kicked off in a positive way, because at, at the end of the day, the most important the most important part is, uh, well, for me, the most important part is that 30 minutes that rolls up to the to the command to start engines, but but the full day in the race is, is – uh, it's what it's all about, and I can't believe that, that we get to do uh, the 107th one of those in, in 100 days. Got any uh, any films that are going to be released that may coincide with uh, the 500 this year at all? Well, well, the whole CW Vice thing that, that they're doing the 100 days leading up to the 500 is sort of behind the scenes of, you know, the personalities, drivers in particular, as they get right. prepared for and compete in the Indy 500, I think is going to be really interesting. And what I think is even more interesting is we as an organization, uh, Pinsky Entertainment, NTT, IndyCar Series, and the Speedway have stepped back and said, don't let up. We don't, we don't want to produce this because if we produce it, it'll, it, it'll feel like another IndyCar race on TV. We want, so the, so the, the vice producers that are in here are going to produce the stories and it, and it should be really interesting. And I think, think it'll capture people that aren't even race fans, just the behind the scenes piece. And the cool thing about it, it's it's sort of like how the NFL does their weekly program in the NFL, where they really after the weekend you're really seeing what happened leading up to that. So it's almost real time, where you know a lot of a lot of reality shows are a year after they've been filmed. So it, it's it should be uh, it should be an interesting one, and, and pretty excited, pretty excited about that. Another thing I'm really excited about is tonight we're going to announce uh, our campaign theme. And last year we had this really cool ad, kind of welcoming everybody back to the Speedway that that David Letterman voiced over. We have um, a pretty cool uh, voiceover tonight that we're going to announce as well. That's, that's, that's our new ad campaign. And I'm, I'm just as excited about it as last year's. And again, written by, written by our team here and produced by our team here and filmed by our team here. It's, it's a, pretty neat when you can keep everything in house and and give accolades to your own team and not have to outsource it to an agency that is well done right there it's uh speedway president doug bowles 100 days away from the indianapolis 500 festivities going on hopefully somebody listening out there has tickets and will be a part of that tonight and then you said hopefully in maybe the next uh, handful of weeks a carb day announcement and uh the legends performance announcements coming too right yeah, absolutely, and you'll get a text from me when that happens, so like we always do. Just make sure you're you're on board and ready to go. You got it, buddy. I appreciate you. Enjoy tonight, and try not to be incredibly nervous on Sunday. Try to get a little bit of an enjoyment yeah. out of that too. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna try and get back down there. Like I said, I got home late last night, and 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 I'm gonna try and get back down there to see it live. And then I, I do expect an invite to the Friday bourbon thing. Yeah, hey, but seriously, yeah, and there'll be plenty of it. I will all soak it up really good. All right. <laughs> All right. Sounds good, man. Thank you so you much. Got it. Doug Bowles, Speedway President on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline, 100 days away. And I mentioned that the the Friday announcement, our Tavern Tour stop for February, me and betting analyst Brent Halverson, and then apparently now Speedway President Doug Bowles, Broad Ripple Tavern in Broad Ripple coming up. That is a week from today. So a week from today, Broad Ripple Tavern in Broad Ripple, that is number two 
of the 12 2023 Tavern Tour stops. Broad Ripple Tavern, Heaven Hill Distillery. Brent Halverson, our betting analyst, of course. And uh, by the way, Brent celebrated a birthday yesterday. Happy birthday to Brent Halverson, who celebrated that birthday yesterday. And uh, apparently Doug Bowles will be a part of that as well. Coming up, that again is a week from Friday. Broad Ripple Tavern in Broad Ripple, Heaven Hill Distillery, Tavern Tour Stop for the month of February at the Broad Ripple Tavern. Quick break and we'll come back. Voice of the Hoosiers, Don Fisher, top of the hour. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Excuse me, Robo. Any special message for all the kids watching at home? Stay out of trouble. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Yeah, I don't know if it's going to be Mudvayne. Doug Bowles was just on here when we were talking about, musically speaking, for Carb Day. He believes next year is going to be time for a, a transition to get to uh, more of a... A 2000s, right, type of sound than stuff that's been in our wheelhouse, you know, 80s and and even 90s and things like that. So we shall see. You're asking me to guess who I think it's going to be. I have no idea. I have no idea who it's going to be. He said maybe two, three weeks they make that announcement. And I do know a year ago it was incredibly difficult to finally nail something down. So I kind of wonder if it's going in the uh, – the same vein this year. Jim McCann in Southern California writes this. I'll definitely be playing this. Number seven at Anna at the uh, Santa Anita Raceway. Check out horse number four. Zay Wantaneo. That is outstanding right there. Zay Wantaneo is the place in Mexico where Andy Dufresne escaped to in Shawshank and then Red ended up after he was paroled joining him. Zay Wantaneo, I think the number four horse at Santa Anita is the money horse coming up for you, Jim McCann in Southern California. All right, quick break. We'll come back. Voice of the Hoosiers, Don Fisher, that loss in Northwestern in preparation for the Illini of Illinois coming in for a noon tip in Bloomington tomorrow. Don Fisher, I'll see if I can get uh, Paul Casaro on here, the head coach of UND. They won another one last night, number six in D2 and senior night approaches. For the Greyhounds of you, Andy, we'll see if Paul can join us coming up at the bottom of the hour. Me and you as well. We've got a little Anything Goes action after 6 o'clock coming up, too, to end your week on a high note with 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. I love JMV. He looks like Rascal Flats guy. Got a cool soul patch. He does, and a buttery smooth voice. Oh, yeah. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. IMS President Doug Bowles, Mike Wells of ESPN Radio, and uh, Derek Schultz has Indiana Sports Talk later on tonight in for the vacationing Bob Lovell, 930. Network Indiana affiliation. You can catch Derek coming up later on tonight. Paul Casar is the head coach of UND, number six in D2, riding a, I think, what is it, 17 consecutive now, Eddie Garrison, 17 in a row. 
And it's senior night coming up tomorrow, right, for UND down on the south side. I believe Ben Nickerson is the uh, – is he the lone senior, or are there more than, more than that? How many are there? There's three of them. Three of them. Yeah, Aaron Etherington is another, and Jacoby ah. Robinson is another. Shout out. Etherington from Hamilton Southeastern you know, and Robinson from Warren we, Central. We, we all know of the uh, the Etherington family. No doubt about that. So, Paul Casaro of UND is going to join us coming up at the bottom of the hour. Meantime, of the Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline, friend of the show, and he's going to get an early one coming up tomorrow, 11 a.m. Pre-game coverage downstairs, 93 WIBC, because of the noon start against Brad Underwood and Illinois. It's IU and the Illini matched up from Simon Scott Assembly Hall tomorrow. Again, that tip time is at noon. A voice of the Hoosiers, Don Fisher, joins us. You dig on these early starts, don't you, Don? Yeah, and this one's sandwiched around two nine o'clock starts, so <laughs> this is not yeah. the best sandwich I've ever had. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it could have it could have ended so much better, and, and really, I thought it was because you look at Michigan uh, nearly a week ago, and they, they, the way that they hung in there, grinded that out, and and you just kind of get the hell out of Dodge, you know. After that, you don't apologize for anything; you just get hell up out of there because you got to win. And then, you know, I thought after that that first half, they were going to do the same in Evanston and there are a lot of things Don you can look back on in moments of the game but if that lob to Trace who was wide open would have been even in the zip code of Trace <laughs> but yeah, that's such a big moment of that game right there yeah it was there's no question uh, Indiana did come back and tie it like 30 seconds later uh, but you know, you would have had it tied, and then yep. you could have gone ahead. Yep. So it, it it was. There's no question. It was a it was a big turnover. Um, too many turnovers in this ball game. Uh, obviously, uh, a number of them by Trace Jackson Davis because he was being double teamed pretty significantly in a different kind of way. They they were really letting him catch the ball and then take a couple of dribbles, and then they would just collapse on him. Right. And. Indiana didn't adjust to it in the first half. In the second half, they did. All of a sudden, he takes off. He scores 17 points in the second half alone. He has 23 for the ball game. He gets another double-double. But too little, too late in this particular scenario. And and there's no question in the first half, that 19-point deficit at halftime killed him. Yeah. Don, it's tough for them. Like in this modern era of basketball, uh, normally you get up, you, you get down double figures. And because the three ball is so prevalent, you know, it can be, I shouldn't say easy, but uh, certainly more more navigational, if you will, than it is for IU because they just, they cannot afford to rely on a three. They still had to get back in that on the shoulders of Trace, doing what Trace does down low. You know, but and part of that, though, is because they were able to shoot the three early in the second half. They did not, whatever they did, uh, if they changed uh, how they were approaching the, the uh, uh, getting the ball to Trace, they they literally got three open trees and made them. Uh, Miller Cop made one. Uh, uh, Trey, uh, uh, Trey Galloway made one, and I think Jalen Hood Shafino made one. So they made, and those three threes were significant in getting Indiana back into single digits, uh, as far as the deficit was concerned. But that after that, uh, they just started relying on Trace again, which in fact it started opening up a little bit. Yeah, it more. helped. Yeah, obviously more dominant, no question. Yeah. Yes. And and again, we've talked about this. That um that is such a huge difference. IU is just a drastically different for the better team when you can knock down even a handful 
of threes, and it just opens things up for Trace. And, and we've seen most of the time, especially in the Big Ten season, he is so incredibly difficult to deal with when this IU team, which they have at home more times than not, you know, got help, help support for him in other means, other fashions, especially from the three-point shot. Yeah, I mean, the, the one thing that's interesting to me about this team they they do respond when yeah, when things yeah. aren't going well. You know, they they find a way to turn it around and keep themselves in the ball game. That la- that didn't happen last year. If you remember, Indiana probably had I would say at least eight or nine games where they had very legitimate chances to win and they didn't win any of them. It was amazing. But this year, they've really had an opportunity in almost every ball game. And in many of those ball games, they've been able to come through, which is a big difference from what we saw a year ago, and and one of the real improvements in this ball club under Mike Woodson. Yeah, I talked about that Thursday, and it's not even so much just by by seeing that game, but it, it's been a long time since they were able to. In, in talking about different personnel and different coaches being able to navigate adversity and then hang around and get back into it. And that's why I mentioned this team is learning, Don. I mean, it is learning on the fly here. Yeah, they really are. But I'm going to tell you something else that I thought was significant in this game that I thought would have made a humongous difference. The fact that Xavier Johnson's not playing right now. No doubt. And, man, he I mean, he's the one guy – that you could stick on Boo Booey and you know he could stay with him. Yeah. And there was nobody else really in this ball game. I mean, they, they did a decent job on Bowie in this contest, but he was still able to get himself free. Uh, Adija obviously played well in this ball game as well. Those are the two guys that run the ship when it comes to Northwestern's attack because they're not a great scoring basketball team. This is their, their whole strength this year has been their defensive play. And in Chris Collins' interview prior to the ball game, he indicated that that is their strength right now, and that's why they've been able to win some of these ball games because they can put a lot of pressure on your guards and actually all over the floor. So they've proven out to be exactly what uh, Chris wanted them to be, which was a really good defensive team, and they've got enough offense to get the job done, which they certainly did against Purdue, and they certainly did against Indiana. It's, uh, once again, Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers, IU, Illinois, coming up from Bloomington tomorrow. That tip time is at noon. We were talking about learning and such. And Jalen Hood, Shafino, you can see him learning and – not a lot of guys as freshmen come in as cool and as calm in situations. He may miss a shot, right? He may even turn the ball over. But, yep. man, he seems like he moves on from play to play as well as anybody at that age that we see. He does. I mean, I don't think he lets uh, a turnover dictate how he feels about things. He, I think he gets rid of it in a hurry. Uh, and he comes back the next time. He knows what he's doing out there. That's one of the real keys. And Mike likes a point guard that understands his role and knows what he's doing. And he does a great job of running the show. He really does. But obviously, the turnovers are the biggest bugaboo for him right now. He has got to continue to get better at that. That's the one area he can get better at. And defensively, he's got to get better as well. But but again, from a freshman perspective, well, you couldn't ask for a lot more from the, from a guy uh, from this guy in this particular season. I did not hear it in the game on Wednesday. I don't know if you did. Obviously, you're calling the game and such. But was there an announcement made about what those students were chanting at Miller Cop during the game? There was none that I heard. 
There was no announcement to shut them up or anything like that. And uh, it was disgusting. There's no question about it. I don't hear a lot of it because I've got headsets on or earbuds, (laughs) not headsets, but earbuds. But I don't hear a lot of it. So I didn't hear it all. I did hear a couple of chants at one point. Um, but I couldn't tell if they were just doing the initials or if they were actually saying it, and they were saying it, and I didn't know that. But yeah. it, it is disgusting. And I, and you know what? I've heard it in every ballpark uh, that we played in uh, over yeah. the last couple of years. It's getting worse and it worse. Is. And and there's just no class out of the student bodies a lot of the time, and Indiana's no exception. Yeah. Oh yeah, they do it there too. That's why yeah. I'm, I'm curious. You, you, Northwestern sends out the next day that press release, um, you know, saying that they obviously they do not condone that type of behavior. And I was thinking, well, if you don't condone it, does somebody not, you know, grab a microphone and say, hey, jackasses, stop doing it at right. that moment. Uh, well, we know we know a coach who did that. Yeah, he did. <laughs> yeah, there may not have been a coach in history to have more control over so many people like, like that than he. Because not only did it work, I mean, it's like, I mean, it all stopped at that moment. Yes. It was incredible. It, it was shut down immediately. <laughs> he got on the microphone. It was shut down immediately. So. Uh, and you're right. Nobody's had more control over so many people, probably in the history of college basketball. No, but I I didn't hear that the other night and saw that. And you're also right about Assembly Hall because that stuff happens there too, and it it wears you out. It, it really does. Between yep. that and all the the middle fingers being lobbed and everything, and oh, I yeah. mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's just that stuff is just embarrassing. It's it's embarrassing, especially for the alumni, the, the people who go. Week in and week out, year in and year out, the people that sit there in the in the primary seats and all those kinds of things, and, and then to have your student body sit there and do uh, to to say those kinds of things to players and to coaches, uh, it it's ridiculous and it's sad. And I just don't know how you stop it unless you really get strong on kicking guys out of ball games. Yeah, that's that's about it at this point. It's Don Fisher who joins us. All right, Illinois, first time out in Champaign back in January. Worked out well for IU, that road win there. Yep. Uh, Illinois since, hanging in. It just kind of seems like that, that nobody nobody's too far away from, from anybody else with the exception of maybe a couple of bottom feeders in the Big Ten right now, and that's no exception between Illinois and IU going into tomorrow afternoon. Well, you're right. Illinois is 8-6. and six. Uh, Indiana's 9-6 and six in the Big Ten. They're, Indiana's tied for third place. Illinois is just a half game back. Uh, they, can, they can obviously pick up a spot. And send Indiana back down into like a tie for sixth or eighth or whatever it is because you can you can yeah, change no you doubt. can change from the third spot down into the ninth spot in one ball game. So it, it just depends on what happens. And, and there's no question this is a huge game for Indiana because if they want to stay in this race because they've got another ball game coming up on Tuesday on the road against Michigan State. I think. I, I would assume that the Spartans are going to play their game tomorrow. I don't know if they yeah, – I, I believe it was announced that they are playing, yes, I believe. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, because of the, the problems, uh, or, you know, the killing and all that kind of stuff that took place at, uh, in East Lansing uh, on the campus. So, Indiana is going to have to be ready to play a very good Michigan State basketball team and one that always seems to come on toward the end of the season – and you're getting them right at that time, and they they are right there in the hunt too for they're in third place as well. So 
it's going to be very interesting to see what Indiana does in this contest because this is such a critical ball game, in my opinion, to stay in the race. And here's the thing. Purdue gets beat again by Maryland this week. Yep. Now it's a one-game lead over Northwestern and just a two-game lead over Indiana right now. No, so yeah. they're, they're in the hunt. Everybody, as you mentioned, it seems like everybody is yeah. in the hunt. And nobody, to me, has been as Jekyll and Hyde as Illinois. I mean, you look at what they did against Rutgers, and then they, they come back and get depensed. You know, at Penn State, which is easy to do. Penn State can shoot the right. basketball. But it just seems like Brad Underwood's team has been as Jekyll and Hyde as any team of the Big Ten this season. They're a little mercurial. And there's no question about that. No, I didn't know that every... word, so I had to use Jekyll and Hyde. <laughs> <laughs> I just used it because I thought of it, not because I know what it means. Well done. <laughs> but uh, the, the thing about them is they're, they're really young. I mean, I, they're not young, but they are a new team because of all the new faces they have in that squad. Coleman Hawkins is the only starter that's back this year. Everybody else is a transfer portal guy or a freshman that starts. So <laughs> they, they're a ball club that, that can be that way simply because they're still not, you know, used to one another like, like a lot of these other teams are and the veteran teams that we've seen in this league. Because when you've got veterans on your ball club, and it doesn't matter uh, if only they've been only there a year or two before, they, they still know what the system is. And in Brad Underwood's case this year, I'm sure he's still teaching his system to all the new faces. You know, the one thing that stood out to me after that first meeting was the complete and utter discombobulation that the defensive IU threw at Matthew Meyer, somebody that's averaging nearly 12 a game. He was discombobulated offensively out of his mind in meeting number one. Yeah, I was stunned by that because I thought he was going to be a major problem for Indiana that ball game, and he just he didn't get it done. He was really struggling with everything Indiana put through at him defensively. Um, I don't, I doubt that it'll be that quite that easy this time against him. But that said, that was a great defensive performance against him in game one. Yeah, and uh, as far as athleticism and scoring potential uh, concern, Terrence Shannon Jr. is all that and and then some. He, he can be quiet, but man, he can go off and be tough to deal with, averaging seventeen a game. Yeah, I mean, I think he, I think they would say right now he's easily their best player. But yeah. they've got other guys too, and they've got they've got a bench. They use a lot of different people. And the good the Goody kid from Fort Wayne Homestead uh, is back playing again for the first time in a long time this year. He's been hurt and been out of the lineup. He's not played a lot in the last two ball games that he's played in, but he is back. And you know, each game he probably gets a little bit stronger and become more can become more of a factor for him. And he's a great shooter. There one guy that besides we talked about both Trace and and Hood Shafino. One guy that you think has the capability of set, stepping up and being more consistent that hasn't, that could really help out this Hoosier team and the stretch run here conference season-wise? I still think if Trey Galloway would shoot the basketball more, and I say shoot to him every time I see him. And every time I see him, he's laughing as soon as he sees me because he knows I'm going to tell him, shoot. But nevertheless, uh, I think he's the guy. I, I think he plays so hard, and he plays so tough at the defensive side of the ball. And he's gotten so much better at handling the basketball and picking his spots where he can drive in there and, and get a basket. Uh, I think he, I think if he would just shoot the ball a little bit more, 
because uh, he's hitting 50% of his threes now. I mean, it's not like he can't hit it, but he's just not taking enough of them. And, of course, Miller cops the same way. But in Miller's case, I just don't think he can get his own shot where Trey Galloway, I think, can. Yeah, yeah. there's no doubt because Trey is a, a threat off the dribble that you have to deal well, with. It's actually down on tape. And then, yeah, Miller is. And it seems like Miller cop, he does. And you saw Trace got on him on Wednesday night. Because he passed one up where, in yeah. that point, you get the ball for a reason. And it wasn't the best of passes. It wasn't one of Trace's best passes. But he had the opportunity to shoot, and he, uh, he unfortunately deferred. And and you just can't. You, you've got to be relied yeah. upon to at least take it. Nope. He's, he's the one guy. I mean, everybody thinks that he is the best shooter on this team, and he probably is. But Trey Galloway is a close second. And he, he can. I, I think he'd become the number one guy if he just would shoot more. But he just doesn't do it. He he defers, and I understand why he's doing that because he's not the guy right now. In fact, a lot of the time he's bringing the ball up as much as uh, J, uh, as Jalen is. I mean, he brings the ball up the court a lot of the time, and so he's he's really working from a point guard position a lot of the of the playing time that he's out there, and therefore I think that's why he defers a lot. To Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers, noon tomorrow, 11 o'clock is the pregame show. So it's early. Does that mean you're like in for the evening tonight? Are we not going anywhere? Oh, we're definitely going someplace. Okay. We're going to go eat. Where are we going? <laughs> you know where we're going. Are talking. we going to our table again? Oh, oh yeah. Man, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, Susie and I are definitely making the trip over there. We're going a little earlier than we normally would just because we want to get home, but uh, at the same time, and we got an early game tomorrow, so. You know, we're old. <laughs> so not as not as many cocktails that maybe we would have if we were there together like two weeks ago, right? <laughs> you were I thought you were a little weak uh, a couple of weeks ago. I just I thought you'd have a few more than you did. Yeah, did you? Yeah, yeah. Sometimes <laughs> I am, it depends, you know. I just want to make I didn't want to get all sloppy hammered in front of you or anything like that. <laughs> you know, so I didn't want to do that. No, Plus, I mean, not, it's not a problem. Joe and Joe and Ginger, you know, I mentioned last week Ginger dropped off a a ton of food here last week from our table uh, down in Bargersville. So it was That's it awesome. was great and uh we'll do that again. Next time we go together, it's on me, okay? 10-4. You and Susie have a, uh, a great time down at our table tonight, and we'll be listening coming up tomorrow to IU and Illinois. Don, thank you. You bet, buddy. It's uh, Voice of the Hoosiers, Don Fisher. Again, 11 a.m. WIBC. 93.1 WIBC tomorrow morning. That means I get a call early to the Home and Garden Show. Because that means that uh, Pat and Denny and Terry – and Allison will be bailing probably yeah, 11 tomorrow, right? So they'll go 9 into 11. Ooh, I'm going to have to call. I'm going to have to get up early and make that call. Actually, I have to do that anyway because I'm going to go over to Southport and watch Santa Grove and Bedford North Lawrence tomorrow. Tomorrow morning. Yeah, that's an early one tomorrow. Home and Garden Show. I don't know if you guys have ever listened to it, but when I call in, we all get together, me and Denny and Pat and Terry and Allison. It is spectacular. Absolutely spectacular on a Saturday morning. I ask questions. They have answers. It's beautiful. Quick break. We'll come back. Paul Casaro, head coach of UND, 17-game win streak. 
a senior night coming up tomorrow night, a sixth ranking in Division Two, and a fantastic season to date. Paul Casaro is going to join us on the other side. Jason Aldean tickets before we get out of here as well. And remember, coming up a little bit after six tonight, we've got time for some Anything Goes. How many minutes on the clock? Coming up at 6, James? What about are we looking six t- at? We're getting out about six, uh, 6 16. 6 16? Well, how long do they put together a show? How long is uh, the last word? Last word's about 40 minutes today. What? Yeah. Come on. Goreman's got to put. Oh, man's got to put 50-plus on that thing. Come on, man. All right. So, anyway, we got a little Anything Goes opportunity coming up at the top of the hour. Prior to that, Jason Aldean tickets for September at Ruoff Home Mortgage Music Center. When you hear a Jason Aldean re-entry, your cue to call. And number nine is going to be the magic number to win those tickets before we hit the 6 o'clock hour. And Paul Casaro of Indies coming up on the other side. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. They call me Cuba Pete. I'm the king of a rumba beat. When I play the maracas, I go chick 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 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hope you're having a great Friday. Hope you're not locked into traffic anywhere. But if you are locked into traffic, hopefully you're locked into this show. Don Fisher, Mike Wells, Doug Bowles, Derek Schultz, podcast 1075thefan.com. Joe Lenardi, the bracketologist from ESPN, loaded up in the 4 o'clock hour coming up on Monday at JMV Takeover coming at you. That is tomorrow night. So Travis Kelsey, Chiefs tight end, is set to host Saturday Night Live coming up on March the 4th. Anybody got any idea? Who's the greatest all-time athlete to host SNL? I guess we could say about an athlete that actually was was still playing. Not a former athlete, but a still playing athlete. Now, we know Peyton Manning. Both Mannings have done it, right? Yeah, I know Eli did it, I think, once or maybe even twice. Tom Brady's done it. Jordan's done it. Barkley's done it. Travis Kelsey, March the 4th on Saturday Night Live. All right. Got uh, Anything Goes coming up at the top of the hour, too. Jason Aldean tickets before 6 o'clock, so hopefully you can listen to win coming up in a bit. But on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, they just keep on winning. 17 straight, number six in Division Two right now. They got a... Senior night coming up tomorrow night down on the uh, south side. And he is, um, I'm sure he would if he wasn't coaching, be a member of Casaro's crew um, each and every home game. <laughs> that coach of UND's Paul Casaro. How you doing, Paul? Hey, John, do you want a T-shirt? I do. Could you get me a little uh, extra large T-shirt there? I'll rock that thing with pride. I got you a shirt and I got you a stocking cap. We got hats, too. Man, that's awesome. I'm looking at this right now. I don't know. I love the shirt because it's like an action photo of you coaching it up right there. That's beautiful. Who chose <laughs> that photo, little... by the way? Who chose that photo on the shirt? Uh, the Brain Trust, Michael Burris. You know it. <laughs> Surprise, it's not a picture of him then. 
<laughs> like Burris's brood or something like that. I don't know, but uh, seriously, I like it. yeah, I, it uh, it looks good. That looks really good right there. So good crowds and another win last night, seventeen consecutive. I mean, listen, you strive for this. These are your goals. But if I would have told you this time last year, you guys were going to run off seventeen straight this year, would you have believed me? You know, you, you want to say yes because you want to be confident and believe in your guys. But you know, I, I, it's it's hard to do. Let's be yeah. honest. Like it's uh, it's 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 pretty special. And you know, sometimes you got to take a step back and smell the roses a little bit and just kind of realize that this is pretty cool, pretty cool ride we've been on. And uh, just hope we can keep it going. Yeah, and the other thing that's got to be difficult for you is is really completely soaking it up and what i mean by that is enjoying it a little bit because it's it's happening in the middle of the season and there's still so much work to do uh, it's probably hey you win again like last night for example you win again and then 30 minutes later you're you're on to the next game it, it's funny you say that and she's probably listening and, and laughing right now because uh, i'm always the type that you know, I'm, I'm always trying to find a way to get better and never going to be satisfied. And, you know, when it comes to the team, something's always wrong because we can always do better. And, uh, you know, I just got on the phone with my mom about 20 minutes ago. She's, will you stop and just enjoy this? Because I'm not satisfied. You know, I think I think we can get better at this and get better at that. So it's funny that you bring that up. Yeah. What, um, if there's one thing that you, you feel you guys need to improve upon moving forward down the stretch here, what, what would it be? You know what? I would say um, two things. Um, actually, one, the, essentially, our, our special situation uh, defense, like uh, execution on not the stuff that happens 85, 90% of the game. I think that 85, 90% of the game, we are probably in the top 1% to 2% of the country. Um, I think our special situation offense is – elite um so kind of those fine uh details at at certain points in the game that you know you don't practice every single day because they don't happen as often now granted we do practice them but you gotta you know uh, weigh your practice schedule in in accordance with how much you you know how much you see a certain thing in the game so uh, that would say that but then also i would say uh when we get leads we have a confident group that they know they're good at this point can we keep that mental focus and make um, smart decisions even when we're ahead and keeping our foot on the gas pedal? To Paul Casaro, six-ranked UND. Of course, senior night's coming up tomorrow night. 17 consecutive wins. Paul's via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I know that we always rave about defense, right? You know, defense and defense. Let me talk about your offense. It seems like your offense rarely fails to show up. That's pretty nice. I, I love defense. I'm sure. I, I got to tell you, I love defense. I really don't. Uh, I'm sure you do as a coach. But man, your offense. There are very few nights you've seen on the schedule, especially during this 17 game win streak, where the offense has failed to show up. All. Hey, well, I will stop and say I've talked to people you've played pickup with, and you don't like defense. I, that's, yeah. that's a fact from what I hear. There, the rumors out there. That my my knees are hurting so bad. I'm such a big baby. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I played. I played with a bunch of Southsiders at Perry. I actually played last night at CG, but I played at Perry on on uh, when was it Sunday morning? I was such a mess. These dudes were like 25 years younger than me. I was a mess, so I embarrassed myself. I think. Funny, but no, hey, I, I, but back to the offense. Yeah. The, uh, 
uh, you know, we, we, we do it. We're doing a pretty good job of sharing it. You know, that's the nice thing is that we got an unselfish group that, you know, we, we don't over dribble. We move it pretty good. And, you know, when you get the ball swinging around and you have five talented players out there, you know, generally you're going to end up with a pretty high quality shot. And I think that's what you're seeing is that, you know, we're able to score points, but if you look at the box score, it's not always the same guy. You know, and, uh, you know, we got guys off the bench coming and giving us 12 or 13 here or there. And then, you know, last night our top two scorers had it going combined for 50. But um, last Saturday, you know, they were held in check and uh, we, we, we scored, I think, 35 or 40 off the bench. So uh, the fact that we have multiple guys, you know, um, adds to our arsenal a little bit. I'd, yeah, I'd mentioned senior day, not nice. Three o'clock coming up tomorrow, Southwest Baptist um, on the south side with you guys at Nickerson Hall. Um, and a celebration of your senior class and what it has meant to you. Uh, maybe for those out there that, that don't know, what has this senior class meant to you? Uh, so much. Um, you know, three of the three of the four uh, that we're honoring tomorrow. Um, you know, are are guys that you know Ben Nickerson. Um, you know, you know he 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 was a freshman when I got the job, and he didn't enter the transfer portal. He could have and. Um, you know, he never wavered, believed in, you know, what we were trying to build. And then uh, Jacoby Robinson and Aaron Etherington, and all three of those guys are local products. Um, they, they were actually my first two commits as head coach, um, both transfers, Aaron from Toledo and Jacoby from McKendry. And, uh, you know, I, we signed them on, on Zooms back-to-back days, you know, by the weekend of me having the job. So for those guys to kind of be the first commits you get, and kind of see this thing through because, you know, it wasn't always sunshine and roses. You know, we got kind of a rocky start to get here. Um, that means a lot. You know, it, it shows the character of those guys, and it shows uh, the belief they had in our vision. And I'll forever be grateful to them for that. And then Bruno Williams, um, you know, chose to transfer um, here from Lewis for his last year. And for him to, you know, say, hey, that's why I want to spend my last year, and again, believe in that vision, you know, it, that, that's what it all comes down to. It's all, all, all about relationships and um, you know, these guys have me for life, you know, for, especially with all they've given to me in our program. To Paul Casaro, the head coach of UND, that's a three o'clock start tomorrow for for senior day down on the south side. And you know, there's a, a, a you know, common theme, common saying where and, and especially with me with Shawshank Redemption, it is you've got to go through a lot of crap to get to the other side and, and uh, you know, find greatness in this case or, you know, find the positive, find find the good. And that makes the journey to get to where you are right now that much better. Can you describe those early Rocky years to where you guys are? And I know you have unfinished business, but to where you guys are right now as being even more embraceable because of what you went through in those more difficult times? Yeah, you know, I, I think it just, it's character building. And I think anybody that sees this group can speak to the character that we have. You know, not only one in basketball games, and, uh, you know, I, I think people enjoy our style, how hard our guys play. But you can tell they're great kids and about about the right stuff. And, you know, you have to go through adversity. And, you know, like you said, for, for lack of a better term, crap to, to, to have success. And, you know, that just builds your character uh, on and on. And I, I think that's why it's such a likable group. Yeah, and that's that's so much of it right there. I mean, you know this in, in playing, you know this from from coaching and different levels. The likability of a group, not just with the coach and the coaching staff, but among one another, just plays such a valuable role, does it not? To the success. Oh, it does, and and you know that's the thing is you know there if you come to the game tomorrow, 
and bring your kids. Like our, our guys, when they get done, we're going to do an autograph session for kids, um, and they're going to be right down the court. And that's how what our guys are. You know, obviously we we set that up and facilitate for them, but they think it's awesome. It's not like oh, coach is making us do this. Like the last time we did this, they stayed on the court for 45 minutes after our game and talked to every single kid that went through that line and made their day. And you know, that's the type of guys you can get on board for. Yeah, I didn't no doubt about that. Cresaro's crew. So a t-shirt's coming at me is what you're saying here, huh? True. You know it. You know it. You got it. Yeah, I, got that bad boy. I will make sure. I will make sure you, you make sure you wear. I just need you to post it on your social media to show proof that you're you're rocking. <laughs> yeah, that uh, I will. That big head of you kind of looks like you were surprised when that photo was taken. Were you surprised? Yeah. It was an it's an awful photo. My, my GA, the Reese McKenzie, Ron Colley guy, told him. I said, "You you almost got fired for choosing that photo. That was a horrendous picture. Like, like you just walked into the bathroom or something. And you weren't expecting this. Hey, wait a minute. Here it is. <laughs> but it looks good. Hey, congrats. I, I I hesitate. I guess every time I say congratulations, knowing that there's still a lot of work to do. But man, 17 consecutive is awesome. Uh, celebrating your seniors, and I know how much they mean to you as a group coming up tomorrow is also awesome. And, uh, yeah, shout out to Ben, too. And, and um, obviously, um, know him and his dad a great deal. Uh, very proud of what he has accomplished and continue doing what you're doing. And uh, we'll see where this thing goes. Try to enjoy the ride. Like Mom says, try to enjoy that ride a little bit. Yeah, I, I will do that, and I, I appreciate that, man. And, and thanks for thanks for the congrats. Thanks for the con- uh, coverage, as always. And you got it. We're gonna wake up. We're gonna wake up and try to go one and zero tomorrow. Yeah, you got that right. Thanks, Paul. All right, thank you, Paul Casaro. You, Indy. It's a great story going on on the South Side. You, uh, Indy men's basketball, seventeen straight. Well, senior day coming up tomorrow. That is really nice. Really a great group. Shout out to Mike Burris, who's the assistant coach from Greene County right there. Nobody, I mean nobody, was more hardcore than Burris. Burris was, I think I've said this before, uh, Burris and Burris's brother, me and Mark Barnheiser, used to play full court two-on-two at the Hyper. You know, we played during the week, but on Sundays we would go to the Hyper and play full court two-on-two. Um, and especially back in the day when it was hot, sweaty, ridiculous, and you know, it'd be in the morning, but it would already be 80 degrees. It'd be sweltering inside the Hyper. And dudes thought we were nuts. And, and believe me, we probably were nuts. But uh, there's nobody basketball-wise that is as hardcore as as Michael Burris and doing a great job on that staff with Paul and you, Indy. Check out that game again, 3 o'clock tomorrow, Nickerson Hall down on the south side, the campus of UND. The sixth-ranked UND Greyhounds riding a 17-game win streak. Top of the hour, anything goes. We can do that for about 16 minutes at 239-1070. I'll remind you of that, and just maybe somebody's going to win coming up for you going to win a couple of tickets to go see jason aldean at ruoff home mortgage music center in september thank you to live nation your chance is coming up before the top of the hour on 93.5 and 107.5 the fan whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits long live listening to your favorites learn more about cascali ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if cascali is right for you 
The Ride with JMV. You are more reptile than man, George. So low and flat that the foot of man is incapable of crushing you. How dare you? 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Paul Casaro, head coach of UND. 17 straight wins. A senior day tomorrow at 3 o'clock in Nickerson Hall. Campus of UND Southside. Right there off of Hannah. Go and enjoy. Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers, IU at noon. That's the tip time tomorrow. Simon Scott Assembly Hall in Bloomington, 11 a.m. Your pregame coverage. 93 WIBC tomorrow morning, which means the Home and Garden Show with Denny Smith, with Pat Sullivan, with Terry Stacy, and Allison will be pared down to about two hours. So make sure, make sure you listen to me when I call in tomorrow morning there. I appreciate those guys downstairs, too, because I'm with Tony Katz a couple of times a week in the mornings. I really enjoy that, being on and talking sports with Tony. And then on Saturdays, I love it, too, uh, being on with those guys for the Home and Garden Show. So, IU tomorrow morning, Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers earlier, Mike Wells, ESPN Radio on the show, Doug Bowles, Speedway president. Of course, 100 days right now, we are away from the Indianapolis 500, the greatest spectacle in racing, and Doug Bowles talked about that. Uh, talked about the uh, festivities going on out at IMS tonight with regard to that. Uh, tickets are already gone, by the way, for that event. And then a little bit about Carb Day. The expectation for Carb Day, the challenges that are forthcoming for Carb Day, and then a little bit of the music evolution. I know a lot of you have said this in the past when it's been REO Speedwagon or when it's been an older act. You know, you, you got to get a little bit newer, a little bit fresher, a little bit younger. And maybe not this particular year with that in mind, but moving forward now, it sounds like it's going to be more of a 2000s type of deal than it has been certainly in the past. But he did not tell us exactly what to look for. As far as the music entertainment for Carb Day, but he did say maybe a week or two, something like that, we can expect some sort of announcement. I mentioned last year the announcement did not happen until March the 24th, so it was pretty late in the game. Uh, Doug Bowles a little bit earlier. Derek Schultz has Indiana Sports Talk tonight. He is in for the vacationing Bob Lovell. Derek Schultz, 930 tonight. That is uh, Network Indiana affiliated stations around the state of Indiana with Derek Schultz in for Bob Lovell. Bob is going to come back off of vacation. He's going to be back on coming up tomorrow evening at 9.30 on Indiana Sports Talk. And another shout-out to the Indiana basketball women's team and another win over another top 25 team. They just continue to roll. Seriously, it is amazing. We're talking about top 25 teams. They went back to back to back against top 25 teams and disposed of each. Second ranked, South Carolina, I believe, is the number one team in the nation. IU, number two. Mackenzie Holmes just continues to have an incredible season on the offensive side of things. But IU went over Michigan last night. Once again, in impressive fashion. Uh, a couple of that earlier in the week, I think back on Monday, they got that road win over Ohio State. But they go, what, Iowa, 
Maybe not. He was it? Yeah, Iowa, Ohio State, and Michigan back to back to back. All top twenty-five teams and all wins for the Indiana women's team as they continue to move along. Who was the winner of those tickets? By the way, that was Jason Aldean as we played it back in. Who was the winner? Our winner today was Jim. Jim, just Jim. That's all it is. Well, Jim Dutra. I didn't know if you want me to give his last name. On no, that's okay. Okay, yeah, Jim Dutra was our winner today. Well done, Jim. Appreciate that. Thank Live Nation, too. Thank you, Kyle. Thank you, Jimi Hendrix and everybody at Live Nation for continuously giving us the opportunity to give you a chance to win these tickets. Jason Aldean's show is coming at you in September at Ruoff Home Mortgage Music Center. This was asked of me a little bit earlier. It says experts, which I am not one, but it was asked of me anyway. I was included. Um, a friend and I are having a disagreement over the RCA slash Hoosier Dome memories and apparently physics where you pushed out of or into the stadium by the air pressure. Um, I thought the air went out because the air is what held up the dome. So I thought the air went out when you opened up the doors. Is that what you're asking? Are you asking about the, like the old RCA dome? Yeah, I thought the air. I've heard that. I don't really remember it, but I, I thought never... the air, I thought the air went out and not in. I've heard, I've heard it went out too. I think my dad said every time you walked out of it, you got Look, like shot out of there because it's like atmospheric yeah, pressure no, or something. Yeah, there's no no doubt about that. And and if, see, this is not wegrowhairindy.com. This is where you want your real growing hair again, because anybody that went in there and made a horrible choice of rocking a toupee. It was not going to end well for you. Never was it going to end well for you. Uh, Derek says the air indeed did push out. So you walked out, the air pushed out, and the air is what held the dome up. Let me tell you, that was fantastic back in the day. I'm sorry. I, I know that everybody loves Lucas Oil Stadium, but the RCA Dome was awesome. RCA Dome, from a media standpoint, and this is probably one of the reasons why the media now is staked out in Lucas Oil Stadium on the uh, sixth level in basically a, a glass enclo- enclosed tomb. I I don't know. This is just me guessing. It always kind of felt like that that was Bill Polian saying, hey, media, here's where you're going to be because we were right there in the thick of it back in the day. Open air, you could hear everything right there with the fans. It was glorious. Love the dome. <laughs> A lot of great, great times. Yeah, Jake Arthur says it felt like it was pulling in, blowing out, I thought. But it was outstanding. Absolutely outstanding back in the day. Hey, you've got the Futures game coming up later on tonight. Benedict Matherin and Andrew Nimhart are part of that. That's the NBA All-Star Weekend festivities in Salt Lake City. Got that three-point shooting contest tomorrow night. Buddy Heald of the Pacers, the favorite. Tyrese Halliburton also going to be a part of that. Then on Sunday, the All-Star game, Tyrese Halliburton will definitely be a part of that. So you got Pacers flavor on each of the nights of All-Star Weekend out in Salt Lake City. Should be interesting to watch that. All right, quick break, and we shall return. We'll come back with a little 16 minutes worth of anything goes. You want to do that? 239-1070, anything you want to talk about. 
I mean, anything you want to talk about, anything goes coming up at the top of the hour. We'll go about 16 minutes and lead you into Jeffrey Gorman, Gorman, Matt Taylor, and the last word. So about 16 minutes of anything goes and a reminder tomorrow night, JMV Takeover, B105.7. That is 6 until midnight tomorrow night. The only place that you're going to hear somebody get on there and actually take your live request. And better yet, the only place where me being, in this case, the DJ or the talent, for lack of a better description, will not know the song that is playing next. Believe me, everything this day and age is either voice tracked or everything is scheduled. There is zero schedule. I have no idea what's coming next. That's what's so amazing. Nobody does that anymore. Nobody does it. And you know what we found here? We found that you absolutely love that. You want your voice heard. You want to be the DJ. You want to get on the air. It doesn't matter. You can in five seconds go find the song that you request immediately. But it means more when you call in and request it. That's what radio is supposed to give you. That's what we give you here. And that's what we give back in music radio every Saturday night. We call it the JMV Takeover. All requests, Saturday night party, 6 until midnight next door. Live, local. Actually, it's even more than local, though, because we stream and we get the California requests from Jim McCann. Matthew in Maine chimes in. Florida, Virginia, Texas calls. It is awesome because, again, we are one of one. We are one of a kind. All requests JMV takeover tomorrow night, 6 until midnight on B105.7. On the other side, we've got Anything Goes at 239-1070. James will check you in, and we'll talk about whatever you want to talk about up until the last word is here on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. The Ride with JMV. Have you ever killed anyone? Yeah, but they were all bad. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Uh, here we go. It's a little anything goes after 6 o'clock tonight. James here. I'm John. Thank you for joining us. Purdue coach Gene Cady named as a finalist for the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame. That is an awesome news item today. Gene Cady is up as a finalist for the Basketball Hall of Fame. That just reported out from Salt Lake City right now. All right, a little anything goes. 239-1070. You hop on here. We talk about whatever you would like to talk about. What is going to be a very busy weekend. Uh, NFL news, kind of a lightweight day other than Eric Bieniemy in what is a lateral move where he never got a chance to call the plays as the offensive coordinator because Andy Reid did with Kansas City. He has moved as the offensive coordinator now accepting the gig with the Washington Commanders. So Eric Bieniemy uh, did not get any head coaching opportunities and has a lateral move from offensive coordinator of the Chiefs now to offensive coordinator of the Washington Commanders. All right, here we go. little before the last word, anything goes at 239-1070. Ted is up first this evening. Hello, Ted. How are you? Fantastic. How you doing, JMP? I am great, Ted. Thank you for the call. Fantastic memories of the RCA Dome. It totally used to blow you out the doors. They used to have revolving doors that they would push, uh, like, small kids into because it wouldn't blow you out. But the direct doors used to send you right out into the 
into the open, which was the only thing to look forward to after, you know, during the Arch Schleister days <laughs> when we used to get our butts kicked. At least we got a, a little joy ride out the door. What was the uh, what was your favorite thing non football related? Favorite thing you ever saw in the dome? Uh, probably. Uh, oh, shoot, just a kicking contest during in between quarters. Gotcha. Makes sense. Yeah. Hey, do you know why uh, Gene Cady only played fourteen holes of golf? Why? Because he could never find the final four. There you go, Ted. That's what you do when the guy gets nominated for the Naismith Hall of Fame. It is anything goes, though. Yeah, I was thinking about that a little bit earlier regarding the Dome. Obviously, 1990 with Bedford North Lawrence, when Bedford North Lawrence and Damon won the state title. Southport was there. God, that was great. That semifinal was incredible. They have Marlon Fleming and William Moore back on that Southport team. Then you got that final between Concord. That was not the Sean Kemp Concord team. Sean Kemp was 1988, which was the, to me, most incredible state championship game I've ever seen. You talk about a dunk fest between Chandler Thompson of Muncie Central and Sean Kemp of Concord. But, no, that was the Concord team that had Jamar Johnson as the leader. Jamar Johnson played collegiately at Nebraska as a guard. But 1990 with Bedford North Lawrence and Damon, you know, having, what, 40,000 inside that dome to watch a basketball game, a high school basketball game was incredible. Um, Concert-wise, who died? Pink Floyd. I did not see. I wasn't at the Pink Floyd show where the dude jumped from the upper deck uh, under the influence, believing that the people waving their hands below was blue water. I did, however, I heard that story once because that guy joined me. Remind me one of these days to tell the story in full. I was at the Crazy Horse in Bloomington. And I'm not going to explain everything to you right now of how this went down, but I was at the Crazy Horse, one of my favorite bars of all time, the Crazy Horse in Bloomington. This is back in the 90s. And I am sitting going, um, you know, around the world at a zillion beers or whatever at the Crazy Horse with my good friend downtown Johnny back in the day at WTTS. That would be John McGew. Um, This dude, I think his first name was Eric, who who did that under the influence jump and about killed himself and people he landed on during that particular 80s Pink Floyd show. And uh, former IU women's coach Jim Izzard. Yeah, that was back in the 90s. Remind me to tell you all of that story one of these days off the air. But, yes, it was not that Pink Floyd show I attended. I went to the Division Bell show of, I think, 1994 is when I was in there to see Pink Floyd. I'd never seen Pink Floyd and thought, yeah, we're going to go for this. And uh, it was really good. Anything goes. Ray is up next. Hello, Ray. How are you? Hey, JMV, long time no listen. Long time um, no listen? What the hell? Well, well, no, no, long time no talk. Oh, no talk. okay, that's better. Uh, I listen every day, man. Dude, I, I appreciate day. that. Thank you. Yeah, the long time no listen <laughs> caught me off guard a little bit, but go ahead. <laughs> I, I, I got a question, yeah. and I got a um, recommendation for sure. you. I'm going to start ahead. with the question. Okay. I, wa- I watched the 10 o'clock news with my grandmother, I want to say probably – Probably a couple times out the week, and they um 
sometimes they spotlight Jim Ursay. Yeah. Um, and I was wondering, she always asked me, is he married? Is he married? And I, I never truly knew. No, he is. He, he, um, he, uh, he was once upon a time. He is not now. Okay. Okay, okay. Um, I'll, I'll put in a word for my uh, grandmother. Then. Sure, please do. Thank tell her, tell her. Thank. Uh, hopefully, she listens too. Uh, yeah, she does. <laughs> she does. Um, and, uh, and, and my recommendation, yes. uh, JMV, um, when, when, when you're put, when you can't reach your pusher, there's this place on Brookside, on about Tenth and Brookside, called Mako Hemp Company Dispensary. Um. I Did you say when I can't I... reach my pusher? Is that what you just said? Yeah, well, <laughs> we all have those times when we can't reach him. <laughs> I have no idea what Ray is talking about right here, mind you. All right. I'm just going to make that perfectly clear. This is a public forum. This is not Ray, you and I talking here privately. All right. Let me make sure. If anything goes, JMB. <laughs> it is, Ray. I appreciate you, Ray. Have a great weekend. Are you too? It is. Anything goes. Dave's in Brownsburg. Dave is a frequent caller to the JMV Takeover Saturday nights. Hello, Dave. Hey, John. How are you doing? I am great. How are you? Doing all right. Hey, I was at that Pink Ford show when the guy took the dive. Yeah, he I took a dive. He, um, from if memory serves, Bob and Tom so consistently joked about that. I think that he either. He either threatened or actually initiated a lawsuit because of that back in the day. That's yeah, the story like he was that. telling me. <laughs> so, yeah. But, yeah, the dome does blow out. Yeah. I, because I remember going to that show, and I'm just walking up to the concrete. <sighs> now, you went to the Pink Floyd show in the 80s where the dude took that nosedive? Yeah. Okay. See, I went to the Division Bell. It was the one in the 90s. I didn't go to the one that he what? did. But, uh, yeah, I I, mean, he, I think he more so, that dude almost killed the people below him. I, I think he actually oh. did better than the people he landed on. Oh, yeah, because I definitely know it blew out because probably 100 feet away, I was getting contact high. Yeah. <laughs> That's the same way with Division Bell right there, too. Hey, Dave, <laughs> get me a good All request right, tomorrow man. night. Will do. Thanks, Dave. That's Dave in Brownsburg. Dave in Brownsburg will listen to this show and a P1 of the JMV Takeover tomorrow night, 6 until midnight, B105.7. Brock's up next. Hello, Brock. Hey, JMV. How are you? Brock, I'm fantastic. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. I just was going to assure you you were correct. Uh, the air does blow out or used to blow out of the RCA dome. Air yeah. pressure holds that up. It's like being in a big balloon. Yeah. You release the nozzle and you go flying out. Did you ever see yeah. anybody roll in there with a toupee or anything like that? That was always a really, really <laughs> bad decision. <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't ever witness that. <laughs> I don't know. You probably won't remember, but I worked for a printing company that did all the printing for the press box in the RCA dome for like <sighs> eight seasons. In many seasons, you and I sat next to each other in the press box. I do remember and that. I do. We I, would, yeah. <laughs> we would laugh at the other media members and what they would dress like and everything else. But do you remember, uh, uh, people probably aren't aware, but Bill Polian used to sit in the press box yeah. all the way down to the left side. Yes. And, I, I uh, remember, were, I say this all the time too, Brock. I, um, I watched him. It was a playoff game when the Colts were playing Kansas City, and Chris Collinsworth on NBC went over a variety of actual Colts offensive calls. And I thought Bill Polian, I thought he was going to absolutely pop. 
I've never seen yeah. a dude's face so red. He was just railing Absolutely. on then media guy Craig Kelly like you would not believe in front of everybody. And even people, fans could see it in the press box, too. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, with that open atmosphere. Yeah. And uh, if the Colts were having a bad day, everybody in the press box knew it because Bill would have some colorful language and they'd put up that little blocker wall. <laughs> but you could still hear everything. <laughs> you could. Hey, Brock, man, I appreciate it. Have a great weekend. No, thanks. You too. Bye-bye. I love it. I, I always talk about this and these guys hate it. Yeah, they say they hate it. They probably don't. But when I was up there during a playoff game, uh, and I joke about this with Hagen all the time, but Chris Widlick, who's at CBS4, and Dave Calabro, who's at Channel 13, I think Widlick in the day, when this happened, was at Wish TV Channel 8, and Calabro basically was uh, birthed into Channel 13. I think he came right out of the chute and right into the sports director's chair at, at 13. But they almost got into a fight. And I mean, like, really, like, got there, you know, and – they weren't going to do I wanted to see it. I was trying to, to egg them on. I wanted to see these guys fight in the press box, but they almost got into a fight over who was going to sit on a stool. It was glorious. I still to this day don't know who I would have put my money on. You know who I'm talking about, James? Dave Calabro and Chris Widlick, sports wise in this market? I feel like I've heard the name Dave Calabro, but yeah. I'm not exactly sure what Well, he's been here about. for a thousand years. Widlick's been here for a number of years, too. I don't know who I put my money on, but they they came, they got their fists up. They were putting up their dukes because of a, a stool. Of where to sit. It was beautiful. I was yelling, fight, fight, fight. <laughs> I wanted to see it. Please fight up here. J-Law. In the Bahamas. Hey. Are you right hey. in the Bahamas now? Yeah. Last night here. Just Son got out of the quiet pool. Get no bees on. Let's go. I got to go really quick here because I think hey, the sounder just rolled. My favorite non-sports uh, memory at the, uh, the Hoosier Dome was the Rolling Stone concert in Living College, the guy falling off the stage singing. Was that Steel Wheels? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep, I remember yeah. that, too. I got, a sh- I got a T-shirt from that as well. You're not going to be back in time tomorrow night to do JMV Takeover? Uh, actually, I'll call you on the way home from the airport. My man. You're the best, J-Law. You guys, safe travels back. Okay, take care. You got Bye. it. Hey, Joe, Mike, Aaron, you guys call. We'll do this again next week. We got to run right now, but next week we'll do it all over again. Anything goes. Last words next. Thank you, James, for a great week. Thank you all for listening, participating inside the lounge via YouTube Live. JMV Takeover tomorrow night at 6, B105.7. Cannot wait to talk with you then. Have a great weekend.